This is the Manga Mavericks Podcast from AllComic.com, episode 54. We are a podcast not only dedicated to talking about manga as a medium, but as an industry. I'm Colton. And I am Sid, and I'm back from Anime Expo! Somehow, somehow you survived. Whoa! I survived the crowds of 100,000 people in the packed Los Angeles Convention Center where it was hard to get around because you were packed like sardines in there in the hot, over 100-degree heat. It's a surprise we didn't all boil alive and all, like, burn up into a pile of muddy meat. Ooh, that sounds gross. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, of course, everyone was sweating a storm, so it was kind of gross in there anyway. Everyone was sweaty and smelly, but it was a lot of fun. Okay, yeah, um, guys, when you go to a convention, use deodorant. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't know why people have to be reminded of this. Like, people, you, like, not all of us can smell nice and pretty or whatnot. <laughs> like, deodorant was invented for a reason. Yep, remember to pack your deos. And your antiperspirant. That's just my PSA, but anyway. Um, yeah, Sid, uh, I'm glad you survived AX because, uh, quite honestly, seeing those crowd photos, like, I, I was kind of jealous that I couldn't get to go because uh, I know you got to meet up with, like, Bomber and a bunch of other people, but, like, man, after seeing those crowds, I, I kind of I kind of had second thoughts. I kind of thought, ah, maybe I'm just, I'm fine staying here in my three-person apartment. I think that's about as much as I can handle <laughs> The crowds were annoying, but overall, I would say I thought it was a good experience, and I am glad I went. I'm glad Wheelord dragged me there when I was a little reluctant, but it worked out really well because I met some great people. It was great meeting Bomber in person for the first time. It was great hanging out with some members of the Tanami Faithful crew. Shoutouts to CJ, Kuro, Sketch, Daniel. You guys rocked. It was fun hanging out with you. Well, I'm 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 glad you had fun. It it I mean, uh, d- despite some of the hazards, it it, it still looked pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, as I'm sure the listeners uh, will be seeing in their feeds, uh, this episode will probably be very long because uh, th- we still have we still have to cover a lot of that anime expo news. Yeah, so unfortunately, I won't be digging into all of my experiences at Anime Expo specifically on this podcast, but rest assured that me, V-Lord, and I, and Bomber are going to discuss our AX experience on a separate podcast and release that pretty soon, uh, shortly after this one, or at least around the same time. Hopefully soon. Um, but yeah, I think we should just get right on with the news because, boy, we have a ton to cover. So don't be surprised if this turns out to be another all-news episode. Yep. <laughs> I mean, it is guaranteed to be. I'm going to let you guys know off front that we already decided this is going to be an all-news episode. Yeah, we we thought about covering the jump starts this episode, but I mean, we have so much news to cover that we'll have to save that for another time. But we'll we'll get to those eventually. Summer con craziness, I gotta tell ya, all these licensing announcements up the wazoo, but it's really exciting what we've got to talk about today, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, expect licensing news a little later in the show, but for now, uh, we are gonna be talking about the newest book scan list from, uh... And what a list it is! Oh, man, yeah, uh, so... Um, this is the book scan list for June, I believe? Yes, June. 
Okay, so yeah, this is the book scan list for last June, and um, I'm just going to put it out there. Uh, My Hero Academia took over, like, I want to say most of this list. (laughs) If you were in any doubt that My Hero Academia is the big thing right now, look at this book scan list. Half of the manga on this list is My Hero Academia. A third of the top 20 of this book scan list is My Hero Academia. Seven volumes in the top 20 on book scan in for the month of June. That is insane. I mean, look, Sid. Next thing you're gonna, that's next you're going to tell me that Black Clover is popular. <laughs> well, Black Clover is surely not as popular as My Hero Academia, considering how many volumes of My Hero Academia are on this list, and no volumes of Black Clover are. So, <laughs> Sid, how dare you? MHA is nowhere near a classic. <laughs> anyway so um at at the very top of the list we have uh volume 13 of my hero academia in particular um just at the very top here and along with that uh so at number four we have volume one number five we have volume 12 number nine we have volume two number 12 we have volume 11 uh number 15 we have volume three uh number 18 we have volume four and I think that should be about it. So let's see. That's one, two, three, four, seven. five, six, seven. seven. Wow. Volumes. That's a that's a lot of my hero academia. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, but but there's all there's still other stuff on the list. Surprisingly, yeah. Tokyo Ghoul is still here with two volumes on. We've got Tokyo Ghoul Are You Volume Five and Number Eight, and the first volume of the original and Number Nineteen. So Tokyo Ghoul, the other big title that we are constantly been plagued with since the beginning of the show as one of the best sellers. It is still doing quite well for itself. That's good. That's good. And at number 11, a nice surprise, we have uh, Kabi Nagata's My Solo Exchange Diary, which is, of course, the sequel to the much-beloved My Lesbian Experience with Loneliness that we talked about on the show last year. Mm-hmm. My Lesbian Experience with Loneliness was an amazing breakout success when it was released last year. And it crossed over into a lot of markets, not just like the manga readers market, but like just the mainstream in general. And so it's really exciting that my solo exchange diary is also continuing that trend of success and is doing extremely well among comics readers because it's such a Kabi stories is just so powerful and like so like deeply personal and relatable and it's just great to see that kind of memoir get so much attention and be so successful like I'm really happy for it mm-hmm yeah I, I can't wait to talk about that in the show here in the next few months because we definitely are going to be hopefully bringing Maxi on to talk about that and the rest of my brother's husband. Mm-hmm. Um, and so let's see at number 13 on the list, we have uh, Splatoon volume three. So of course Splatoon is uh, ever the, you know, popular video game franchise along with, uh, I guess just to skip ahead, we have uh, Akira Himikawa's Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess volume three at number 20. Uh, but just to go back up the list, we also have uh, Ruby, the official manga anthology at number 16 as well. So, some other very popular franchise that are enjoying some uh, some manga success there, which is good. Yeah, always nice to see like a lot of manga representation on the book scan in general. Like two thirds of the book scan top twenty this month is manga. Thirteen out of the twenty, so manga is just doing so incredibly well. It's awesome, and My Hero Academia is seems to be a large part of that success right now. Oh yeah, like it's it's kind of amazing that My Hero Academia is doing so well. Um, I mean, 
I don't I don't want to say it's like a surprise, but I mean like it's 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 really nice to see. Like I never I, I never would have thought like two or three years ago that like it would have been like this popular, honestly. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what some other series that might be collecting graphic novels in the future, how they will fare when uh, in the in the book scan list in sales. One of those series, of course, being uh, Doctor Stone, which you know is building up quite the reputation for itself and is extremely popular already as a manga. Who knows how well the graphic novels will do? But in terms of gauging popularity, we actually have the results of the character popularity poll to talk about. They started this back in May and now the results are finally out. And so let's go down what the results were for the Japanese readers first. And in first place, we've got Senku, the main character here at 3,500 or so votes. We've got at second place, Kohaku with 1,725 votes. And third, we've got Gen at 1,618 votes. So that's our top three most popular Doctor Stone characters in Japan right now, and it makes pretty much a lot of sense to me. You know, uh, I'm a little surprised Crow isn't in the top three. He's at number five in the Japanese poll, but, you know, it it's also makes a lot of sense why Kohaku and Gen are so popular. I'm actually kind of surprised Gen is that popular, honestly. I mean, I could see why Kohaku is popular, um, but yeah, Gen was actually kind of a surprise for me personally. Gen is a really funny and also a really clever character. So I am not too surprised that he would be really appealing considering that he's a lot like, he likes Senku in some ways, but he's also more of a trickster in, in other ways that, you know, separates him and that creates a great dynamic between the two. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, they work well off each other. They play well off each other. And Senku and Chrome do as well. But there's there's just, an, I guess, something to the dynamic of Senku and Gin that's also very interesting. Uh, Suika got number four at uh, 1,025 votes. And then to round off the top ten here, let's... Uh, where we got number six. At seventh, we've got Hyoga. Uh, Sukasa's lieutenant ranking higher than Sukasa, who only ranked twelfth. You know, he only barely beat him. Like Hyoga got seven ninety two votes, Sukasa got seven twenty five votes. But still, I really like the page they used for uh, for Sukasa's yeah. reaction. <laughs> yeah, it's like he's so distraught that Hyoga <laughs> beat him. It's great. That's pretty good. Uh, well, I think there's probably an error in the this results because Hyoga at seven place got seven ninety two votes, but there was reading for Sakasa's like 1,700 votes. So it's like, I think some error must have happened there. Mm. So I don't know what he, how many votes he really got. No, that, yeah, that makes sense. Like the rest of uh, the notable characters in the top 10 are Biakias and Kusfader at number eight, Kazaki at number nine, and then at number 10, we've got Taiju. I feel like if Taiju were like around in the story, he'd probably actually be a little higher. Well, what's interesting is that for English readers, Taiju did rank higher. And so let's go and talk about the English poll results now for the readers of the North American Digital Weekly Shonen Jump. And we still got Senku at number one, just like in the Japanese poor. But at number two, we have Kazaki. (laughs) 
the old man, the old blacksmith, he jumps from number nine in the Japanese poll to number two in the U.S. poll. And I gotta imagine that the calls of support for him on both the Shonen Jump podcast and Weezy Manga Recap might have contributed to his results here. I would not be surprised if, like, Orion's and Chris's love for Kazeki inspired listeners of those podcasts to vote for him. I mean, he's a pretty he's a pretty good character, all things considered. He has a lot of really great moments. Oh yeah, I mean he's a great character. Like all the characters in Arthur Stone in general are pretty great, but it is surprising that he comes in at number two over other main characters that have a little more focus in screen time. Like Chrome, who is higher here in the English poll than the Japanese poll, coming at number three. And then we've got Kahaku at number four, Suika at five, Gen at six, uh, Taiju, as we mentioned before, comes in at number seven. Then we've got Ruri at eight, Kinro at nine, and Sikasa makes it into the top ten at number ten. Hyoga nowhere to be seen. So, at least he can take solace that the American readers like him more than the Japanese ones. I was going to say, just just like as an American, like this top 10 makes a little more sense to me somehow. Hmm. How so? Um, I don't know. Like, like, like if I were to pick like, you know, the, the characters I personally like in Dr. Stone, like I, I personally would agree with most of this top 10 because... These are the characters I guess I could say I like the most. Like, you know, obviously I love Senku. He pretty much steals the show. And then um, Kasaki, well, I'm I'm not sure if I like him more than, like, most of the other characters. I, I do think, like I said, he has a lot of really great moments. A lot of surprisingly, like, emotional moments sometimes, too. So I think he's, mm-hmm. uh, I think um, I could see those getting pretty overlooked, personally. I mean, yeah, and he is also part of the main group, so. Yeah. It does make sense for the rank high. And, you know, I, I also really like Chrome, too, I think. I honestly, because um, you were you were mentioning how, like, you know, Gen is probably so popular with, um, with, the ja- with Japanese readers because, you know, of his character in general, but also his kind of dynamic with Senku. While I personally think I really like his dynamic with Chrome a little bit more, personally, hmm, um, yeah. I, I find it a little more endearing, personally. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I, st- I still like Gen, too. I think he's still a he's still a funny character. Like, I find his pig Latin very endearing, personally. <laughs> um, yeah. Which, which I think is a really interesting quirk of his that I guess is, ori- is, is in the original, like, text as well. Which Caleb does a really good job of uh, bra- uh, translating over into English, by the way. But no, yeah, just just a- as an American reader, like I think these are the characters I am probably either like invested in the most, or I probably enjoy seeing on screen the most. Personally speaking, I don't necessarily think that the top ten in the Japanese poll is full of characters that I wouldn't also agree with being there, or like at least characters that I don't. I there it's not full of any characters that I don't understand why they're popular. Like I understand why all the characters in the Japanese top ten are popular, just because like you got Byakuya, he had a compelling story to him. That's true. He, uh, and Hyoga is just a conventionally like attractive and antagonistic <laughs> character, so like it makes sense that a guy like that is in the top ten. Yeah, but like. The American poll, I guess I, in general, agree with a little more just because, you know, just with he, the character of Hyoga and Byakuya in that other poll, it's like, eh, I don't, I don't I mean, I wouldn't put them over, like, 
the characters we're seeing here, Kinro and Sakasa, who are like more developed and more interesting characters to me, or at least like more prominent. I would say like they are like more stars of this manga than like someone like Hyoka who's barely appeared. Um, but also, I guess one omission in both of these uh, popularity poll results that I'm kind of surprised and I don't know if I'm surprised necessarily, but I'm kind of disappointed is that Magna does not rank in either popularity poll just because Magna has grown into such a funny character in recent chapters and such a charmingly great character and how blunt he is. So uh, I think that Magna hopefully should get a better showing next time now that he's growing out of the antagonist role and it's now just like this hot-headed ally character i was gonna say i i guess i'm not really like super surprised he's not in the poll just because like i feel like it's only like very recently that he's like gotten any like real development so i'm i'm sure i'm sure there'll be plenty of time between this and the next poll for him to actually like do more of like significance yeah i mean definitely a lot of the development he's had and a lot of the focus he's had in recent chapters have been during the time when this poll had been starting and now we've received the results like all in the last two months so yeah it was it was pretty short it's probably but like i'm i am surprised that in the japanese side he's not even in the top 15 like sulfurina ranks higher than him like the <laughs> the just the embodiment of the concept of sulfuric gas is, is higher than him they're gonna they're gonna make they're going to make body pillows out of that. You mark my words. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. <laughs> They'll make body pillows out of all the anthropomorphic elements Senku imagines. That would be amazing. And I would... It would. I would, I would love to own them. But uh, yeah, I, I, I think I'm pretty satisfied with the poll results overall, though. Yeah, I would agree. It's a good popularity poll. Yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to see the next one, definitely. Um, but I guess we can move on to some serialization news. Yes, and an f- unfortunate bit of news to start off is that the recovery of an MMO junkie has officially ended due to Rin Kokoyo's poor health. Comico, the publisher of uh, MMO Junkie, discussed this decision with Kokio, and they decided that restarting the manga would be too difficult for her. The manga has been on hiatus since July of 2015, and it has not had an update since, and now, three years later, they have this finally decided, you know, it's not going to come back. Kokio is just not in good health for that. So... It is over. And that is a shame for anyone who was looking forward to seeing the conclusion of the story. And especially, you know, considering the unfortunate circumstances behind the director of the anime adaptation. For people who really would just prefer to consume the stories through the manga. You know, there's no conclusion to that story now. Yeah, MMO Junkie can't seem to get a break. And that's very unfortunate. Perhaps one day Kokio will be in good health again to give it a conclusion, but for the time being, unfortunately, this seems to be another series that will never have seek resolution, like Nana. Well, I guess um, all we can say is we hope that Kokio gets plenty of rest and hopefully they get better. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but uh, I guess we'll move on to some more series that are ending, uh, such as Sweetness and Lightning, actually, in uh, the recent August issue of Kodansha's Good Afternoon. It had been announced that Sweetness and Lightning uh, will be ending in the next issue on August 7th. So, um, yeah, uh, I guess, uh, <clears throat> I mean, I'm, I'm sure, I was going to say it's unfortunate, but I'm sure Sweetness and Lightning is probably... Uh, coming towards a natural conclusion. Um, I guess, like, in retrospect, it's not really the kind of series that could really, like, that really should be, um, I guess, elongated. But, uh, and I, I actually need to get on the manga, because uh, I remember, I like, I remember watching the anime, like, like while it was airing, and I really enjoyed it. And hopefully Sweetness and Lightning has a good ending, because uh, I am very much looking forward to maybe reading it and maybe talking about it on the show at some point. Yeah, it's a cute series from what I have experienced of it and it seems to be coming to a natural conclusion and I'm looking forward to reading it once uh, I get the chance to. And uh, speaking of things coming to its natural conclusion, uh, Q Hayashida's Dorohedoro manga uh, will be ending in three chapters or I guess probably two by the time this comes out but uh, um, assuming that there are no breaks before then the series will be ending with 167 chapters on September 12th in uh, Monthly Shonen Sunday. Uh, so yeah, Doro Hey Doro is definitely a series that I see a ton of people give love on my timeline on Twitter. And every time I see people tweet about it, I'm just constantly reminded of how I should really get to that series because uh, Doro Hey Doro definitely has a very passionate fan base and it just makes me want to read it all the more. This is a series I've heard a lot of people talk about, but I know nothing about. But it was suggested to us in our reader, in our listener survey as a series we should read and cover on the show. And I definitely do want to dig into it uh, now that it has concluded and we can read the whole story in its entirety. So I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, hopefully we can get to that within the next like year or two. Like I would, I would really like to start reading that as soon as uh, Viz. Uh, comes out with basically all the volumes. I'm not sure how close they are in um, finishing the release of that, but I got to imagine they'll probably be finishing that like soon. But anyway, yeah, I I can't wait to like finally read it at some point and talk about it because yeah, I have had a lot of interest in actually like digging into it. Uh, that's definitely like very high on my to do list there. Mm-hmm, definitely. And now there are more series that are ending that we could probably get to at some point. This series, uh, you might know as one that is has an anime that is currently running, or it was an anime that debuted at Anime Expo, actually, and is actually going to come out on Netflix in 2019. And that series is Kengen Ashura. The manga for that will end on August 9th on the Manga One app. So, yeah, like, it looks like that series is going to come to an end after its seven-year run and after 25-plus volumes. And the anime adaptation that's going to hit on Netflix globally next year might cover the entire story. So, hmm. That's that's really interesting. I actually I actually don't know anything about Kengan Ashura. I listened to a uh, re- review of it on Weepy Manga Recap that did intrigue me about it, but... Uh, I have not read the series itself, but what's interesting about its anime adaptation is that like it won a poll that Shigakukan ran back in 2015 for uh, what series they wanted to see pushed to get an anime adaptation. Mm, it yeah, topped that, that poll, so very interesting. 
that it's finally going to happen uh, next year and in time for to adapt the entire series yeah i'll have to check that out when it hits netflix then but also ending in August is Saburota Citrus, the Yuri manga that has been running in Ichi Jinsa's comic Yure Hime that got an anime last year. This is a series that I have not dug into too much. I've heard a lot about it. I've listened to some reviews of it. And it seems like it, there's some problematic elements in there in terms of it, you know, because it's like a, it frames itself as, oh, these girls have become stepsisters and they're in an incestuous relationship. So it's dealing with some problematic tropes. So there's like frustrating elements to the story, but there's also, I heard it gets better as it goes on and there are compelling elements too. So it's like a mixed bag in terms of certain some positives. So it's a series that I know is very popular uh, one of the more popular Yuri titles on the scene right now. So it'll be coming to a close, and I would like to dig into that properly at some point myself. Uh, but I guess we can move on to some series that are uh, that are starting up here, and uh, we, we've mentioned a few times that there will be a fairy tale sequel manga, and we have a bit more information about that uh, coming from the 31st issue of uh, Weekly Shonen Magazine that has announced that uh, Atsuo Ueda will be the one uh, launching the official sequel of Fairy Tale in uh, Kodansha's magazine Pocket app uh, on July 25th, and that uh, uh, Shonen Magazine's uh, 34th issue will also be publishing the first chapter on the same day, and that uh, Mashima himself will be providing storyboards for the manga, and that Ueda will actually be the one in charge of uh, drawing the series. So that's interesting. Um, so, you know, if you're a fan of fairy tale, you have you have more fairy tale to look forward to. Yeah, you'll never run out of fairy tale to read. It'll never end. I mean, Eden Zero is basically like an alternate version of fairy tale set in the future and in space. So, <laughs> Washington is just going to keep continuing fairy tale in one form or another. So won't he? Well, I mean, so far, Eden Zero is slightly more interesting. So I'll I'll give it that. Yeah, I would agree. Um, but I guess uh, we we still have we have one more piece of serialization news to cover. Um, this one is like really interesting. So yeah, um, Comicsology of all companies uh, announced recently that uh, not only will they be debuting a new American comic, uh, they'll also be simultaneously publishing it in both the United States and Japan. On uh, well, I guess it's already. Uh, I guess it's I guess it's already debuted because uh, it came yeah. out this July eighteenth. Uh, but uh, so yeah, they're simultaneously publishing Goliath Girls uh, again, both in Japanese and English. So it's it's really interesting to see an actual like American comic uh, simulpubbed in Japanese. Like I think this is the first time that kind of things happen, or maybe not the first time, but like I know it. I know this kind of thing is very rare, at least from what I at least from what I can see. So this is a really, really interesting thing that they're doing, and I hope they keep it up. Yeah, it's really cool. Like, you rarely see this kind of simulpub happen in reverse like this. Like, you're, we are have known, like, simulpubs for the English market, like Japanese series coming here getting simulpub. But, like, the reverse, I don't think it happens very often in any country. Like, English-American series like getting simultaneously broadcast or released overseas. So it's really cool. I'm really interested in seeing like 
what other series might follow this trend. Like, it seems like comicsology originals like this might be a safe bet to see, like, get this sort of simulpub treatment, especially if, like, they think they would appeal to Japanese readers. But who knows if maybe in the future, like, other publishers could follow suit with their mainstream titles and, like, have international, like, simulpubs worldwide for, like, stuff like, you know, Batman or Superman. Mm, that would be that would be pretty cool. Um, So I hope this is a thing that uh, happens more often. Um, I'd really like to see where this kind of thing goes. And the issues will be free, too, on uh, Comixology, Unlimited, and Amazon Prime, so... Yeah, so there you go. I'll, I might I might actually check it out myself here pretty soon. Um, but I think that's about it for serialization news. And now we're going to move on to licensing news. And boy, we have a ton of it. Oh, yes, we do. But speaking of Comixology and Comixology Unlimited, they have acquired two manga specifically for their Comixology Originals imprint. And those manga are Harold Sakushi's Beck and Seven Shakespeare's. The first 14 volumes of Beck ha- have already been made available in Comicsology, And the first four volumes of Seven Shakespeare's are already available as well. Both titles are free to read for Amazon Prime, Kindle Unlimited, and Comicsology Unlimited customers. And the volumes can also be purchase on Kindle and Comixology individually. Beck is, of course, of music manga, a story of some musicians who form a band and with the dreams of like, becoming big rock and roll stars. I really love this series. I love the anime. I love the manga. Uh, it was an old Tokyo Pop release that was cancelled around Volume 14 back in the day, but now Comixology is finally translating the entire series and i'm super excited about that i can't wait for that and i'm really happy to see harold sakushi's uh, other manga his follow-up to back seven shakespeare's finally get licensed and released as well because that's a series i've been wanting to read for a long time and i'm really excited to finally have the chance to read it here uh seven shakespeare's is about you know, the mystery behind Shakespeare. So it's an intriguing concept, you know, especially for someone like me who really is enamored with Shakespearean stories. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to rereading Beck now that it's going to get a full English translation and get finally being able to read Seven Shakespeare's. Mm, I'm looking forward to reading Beck for the first time because I've never read it. <laughs> yeah, and it's a great series, so I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on it. Mm, yeah, I, I definitely want to get to that now that it actually will be like all available, which which is good. But now we're going to move on to some stuff that was announced at the manga publishers panel at San Diego Comic-Con. We're going to circle back around to Anime Expo and get some of these licenses at San Diego Comic-Con out of the way just because there's so much less of them. But they're all really quite impressive and great ones because Fantagraphics has licensed Moto Hagio's The Plo Clan manga. They were going to release it in late 2019 or early 2020. It'll be translated by Rachel Matt Thorne and it is a series that uh, has been a recent debut of Moto Hagio. It came out in May 2016 
And so, like, it's great to see more of Mochihakyo stuff get licensed and uh, published over here. Oh, I- I'm sorry. Like, there there were two new chapters of uh, Poe Clan that came out recently, but the original series ran from 1974 to 1976. But yeah, so, yeah, it's just amazing to see, like, more Motohagyo stuff come out here. Like, f- it makes sense that Fanta Graphics picked it up because Fanta Graphics has released her other works, including Other World Barbara, Heart of Thomas, Drunken Dream, and other stories. So, this is, like, following up on those licenses with more of her stuff, and it's just great to see. Mm-hmm. Um, but moving on to uh, some other very surprising licenses. Um, so Media Do International has been coming out with a lot of really interesting stuff. A lot of different, like, very retro, like, food manga and whatnot. Like, their catalog is kind of insane. A lot of just a lot of retro stuff in general that I'm really interested in and that you can buy on uh, Bookwalker as well. But um, so they announced at San Diego Comic-Con at the uh, Manga Publishing Industry Roundtable panel that um, they have licensed and are going to be releasing Baki the Grappler. (laughs) So this is specifically the sequel to the original Grappler Baki. Uh, Baki the Grappler uh, being the sequel series that I believe is getting, uh, or at least has gotten an anime adaptation finally on Netflix, and uh, I think will be releasing globally um, later in the year. But uh, yeah, so I th- I think Baki the Grappler in particular is about 32 volumes or 31 volumes, somewhere around there, and will actually be coming out as soon as this next month in August and will be available digitally for now. But uh, they're interested in maybe doing uh, also like the original manga, uh, but I guess they also want to wait and see how well Baki does. And there's also room for a possible like print release, I guess, as well. So they're kind of testing the waters with Baki, and that's and that's great and everything. Though there's also been some, um, I'm not sure if I really want to say controversy, but some discourse about how like Media Do kind of like translates their titles because apparently uh, there have been some kind of rumblings at San Diego Comic Con about them using like uh, I guess machine AI translation and then having people like come in and like reworking that translation. Just a lot of really interesting weird stuff like that that i'm not really sure how i feel about honestly well they're discussing it but i don't know if they are going forward that at this time like that was just something that was discussed on that panel that was like proposed as like an idea but i don't know if that's how media do is actually going to be translating baki that's that's true that's fair thank you for clarifying but um i mean i i guess if I guess if it turns out they do go with that, I mean, I don't know. How, how do you feel about that kind of thing, personally, Sid? I don't think that machine translations are good to rely on just because they can be so inaccurate, as anyone who has tried using Google Translate should know very well. <sighs> and so you cannot underestimate how important it is to have a translator, a human being who knows the language and who can also understand subtleties, which is something that machine AI language translation software is not equipped to do at this time. So you need to, uh, you need someone who understands the subtlety of a language in order to make a accurate and quality translation. And even then, if you have different translators, you're going to get a different translation because the sensibilities of that translator is so different. 
uh, and between each individual person. Yeah. But with a machine translator, you have like just one AI who will probably release the same result each time or like have the same approach every time. And I don't know if that's good to rely on than a person who is flexible, who can grow and think about something, you know, in a human way, who really understands, like, the language because they have to speak the language and they have to write the language, have to think in the language, whereas the AI is just thinking in zeros and ones in numbers. So, it's not. I mean, it's essentially, like, you could get a, you could get a machine to translate all you want, but, like, it's not going to be capable of actual, like, localization, a mechanical translation is not the same as a genuine translation. Yeah. Because they might be able to replicate the words, but can will they replicate the intent behind those words? That remains to be seen. Exactly, yeah. So I'm, I'm personally hoping they don't go with that for this Baki release, because that would kind of... That, that would kind of bum me out a little bit, but I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to supporting this release because i definitely want to i'm definitely interested in checking out uh their work on baki because i i've 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 already bought a couple of uh, some stuff from them uh from media do because i think they were having a sale on um on uh on some suchiyama stuff i believe that's his name um and uh, i got a couple volume ones from that but i haven't actually gotten the chance to like read any of their stuff so like I can't really personally judge their quality because I just I haven't really read any of their stuff yet, unfortunately. Yeah, hold on. Someone's sneaking around in my room. Who goes there? Is it you, Wee Lord? What's your opinion on Baki? Come in here. <laughs> he ran away. He was afraid. <laughs> oh, Wild Wee Lord has escaped. <laughs> he grabbed his brisk tea that he left overnight on his desk and ran away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the things that go on in in the household of Sid and V Lord. Yeah, uh, it's cool that uh, a Baki manga has finally been licensed, and I hope it does well, so we can see the original get licensed and the print uh, release for those series. And yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to reading it. And it makes sense that they're starting with the sequel series, considering that's what the new anime that coming to Netflix is based on. So mm-hmm. yeah, pretty cool. What's also pretty cool is that for the first time in North America, we are getting the collected works of acclaimed mangaka Yoshiharu Suge, published by Drawn and Quarterly. They announced that at its, their panel at San Diego Comic Con that they're going to release the complete works of Yoshiharu Suge in a seven-volume set with the first volume slated for fall 2019, translated by Ryan Holmberg. Suge was a pioneer of Gekiga manga, which was a genre kind of named and founded by Yoshihiro Tatsumi in the late 50s to describe like an alternative style of manga that, you know, is about more realism and is more adult oriented. And he is best known for his 1968 manga Neji Shiki or Screw Style, which is a surreal story about a man wandering a desolate post-war Japan. So like Tatsumi, he was very obsessed with like post-war, post-nuclear disaster kind of concepts, which, you know, is a very common theme for Gekiga authors at that time from what I've read of those creators. 
And so Suge has notoriously been reluctant to give the license to any of his works to English publishers. And so the Drawn and Quarterly editor, uh, Tom Devlin, commented that they've been trying to get him for years, and so have many other publishers. But finally, his agent told us he's in failing health, so he finally said to us, go ahead. So that's a little bit of bittersweet disconcerting news that Suge has only relented and allowed his works to get published because he's in poor health and might need the money. So that's not very happy to think about. I mean, so it's kind of, again, it's bittersweet. It's it's like, oh, great, we're finally getting this classic veteran mangaka's works translated in English officially for the first time. But also, oh, he's in really bad health and he just doesn't care anymore. Yeah, that's really sad to think about. It's, it's a bummer. <laughs> but, you know, I look forward to reading Suge's works. For the first time, like, it's always great to see legendary, important pioneers of the manga medium finally get their works translated over here. And I'm a big fan of Yoshihiro Tatsumi. And Suge is Yoshihiro Tatsumi's favorite mangaka. So that is high praise and that gets me very intrigued. Yeah, I unfortunately haven't really heard of Suge until, like, until this was announced, so I'm definitely very interested in checking this out. And lastly, the last uh, bit of San Diego Comic-Con licensing news that we'll talk about, at least the last from some from someone who is not Viz, because Viz had some surprises, but Udon has mentioned some news about their manga licenses, uh, and for you FLCL fans, they've got a nice treat because they are going to be releasing the FLCL Archives book in English in February 2019. This book came out in November 2016 in Japan and featured character and mecha designs and key visuals and the original pitch for the FLCL anime with notes from the creators. So if you're a FLCL fan, you definitely want to check that out. Uh, and Udon is also going to release... Hitoshi Arega's 48-page Mega Man X Mega Mission one-shot for the first time in English in January 2019. And it's just going to fall in line with like their other Mega Man manga releases that they've been doing. And so, yeah, uh, if you are looking forward to more Mega Man manga, you should look forward to reading that pretty soon. Uh, they are also going to release the Atsushi Nishigori Animation Works for December 2018. And uh, the third wall and fourth volumes of Infinity Force Arc to the Future are going to come out in October and December. And they promise some Rose of Versailles updates next week. They have not made those updates at San Diego Comic Con. Perhaps by the time you're listening to him, they have revealed those updates. But uh, uh, there's supposedly going to be some news pretty soon about their release of Rose of Versailles. So here's, here's crossing our fingers that it'll come out sometime soon. Because <sighs> I've been holding on to that for a long time now. Oh, boy. Yeah, hopefully something comes out of that. Um, but uh, I guess we'll just move on to finally getting to some Anime Expo stuff. Um, and uh, we're going to get to some Dark Horse stuff because they, they announced something uh, interesting. So uh, at Anime Expo, a couple weeks back at this point, Dark Horse announced that uh, they have licensed Lynn Okamoto's Elfin Lied Manga, or Elfin Lead 
I don't know how you pronounce it, and I don't care. I've heard it pronounced as Elfenlead. Hmm, that's great. So, um... <laughs> Uh, Dark Horse uh, will be releasing uh, the entirety of Elfenlied in four omnibus volumes, uh, the first of which will be coming out on May 22nd, 2019. And um, just full disclosure, I I hate Elfenlied. I hate the anime. And I hear the manga... Oh, what? You hate it? I thought it was a classic. I thought uh, its reputation preceded it. Yeah, it's a classic amongst all edgy 12-year-olds. I hate it (laughs) so much. And I guarantee you, we are going to podcast about it at some point, because I I have feelings about Elf and Light that I need to get out somewhere. Oh, I hate Reed, huh? Yeah, like, I'm usually kind of against hate reads, but, like, Elf and Light is kind of an exception, because, like, I just... Man, I watched all of Elf and Light in a day, and that is time that I will never get back, and I, I regret it so much. Oh, man. Well, maybe the manga is different. That's than, that's uh... what I hear. I hear the manga is slightly better, but, like, I'm also not going to hold my breath. Uh, but whatever. I mean, now, now that it's being licensed, like, I feel like I... I feel like I don't really have an excuse to not check it out. Because, I mean, you know, like it, you know, before it got licensed, I could just be like, well, you know, it's not licensed. Like, I don't, I, I you know, I don't want to get to it. I'm trying to read less scans now. But like, no, like, it's licensed. I'm going to have a chance to talk about it and talk about why I hate it. Assuming that the manga won't like instantly change my perception of it. Because I'm sure the anime is also just bad. I mean, look at that cover, Colton. Look, it's, it looks just so uh, moe. How could this be edgy? Uh, it's just yeah. uh, this cute girl who I zoom is Lucy or whatever her name is, you know? <sighs> it's just, it looks normal. It looks like a shelter. I'm getting exhausted just thinking about Elf and Lion. That's how much I don't, I hate it so much. I don't hate anything, but I, I, I want to move on. I'm, so, so if you're a fan of Elf and Light, that's coming out, and I'm happy for you. But also, yeah, I don't have anything else to say. He hates you. Okay. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. This but... is your fault. This is your fault that has happened, Open Light fans. <laughs> you... you have doomed us all. You, well, at the very least, you've doomed me to read this terrible manga because Colton wants to hate reading. Oh my god. Okay, so recovering from that, um, we have some 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 interesting uh, uh, Crunchyroll announcements from Anime Expo Two uh, that uh, they have since started releasing. Uh, first, starting with uh, Planet With, who, in case you may have forgotten, is um, is sort of an anime manga like franchise collaboration uh, created by uh, Satoshi Mizukami, who is also the author of such works as Lucifer and the Biscuit Hammer and Spirit Circle. So uh, the anime and manga, I believe, are running concurrently. The anime you can watch simulcast on Crunchyroll and whatnot, and the manga, rightfully so, is being simulcast on, uh, or I guess simulpubbed on Crunchyroll as well. So, you know, if you're a fan of Mizukami's works, uh, you should definitely be supporting those. I myself haven't actually gotten the chance to check it out yet, but uh, I hope to do so um, here soon when I have the time to. I've heard good things, and Mizukami has had a great reputation for his previous two series, so I'm looking forward to digging into it. Mm, maybe hopefully this will lead the way for a Lucifer and the Biscuit Hammer anime. <laughs> That'd be cool. Yeah, hopefully. But I guess the other two manga that have been picked up by Crunchyroll are Homes of Kyoto and Crossing Time, uh, which, 
at this point you can you can read on Crunchyroll or available now. Uh, Homes of Kyoto uh, launched on July 10th, and uh, actually will be getting will be beginning simultaneous publication on July 29th. So probably by the time you're listening to this, it'll be close to being simulpubbed uh, specifically. And uh, Crossing Time uh, also premiered on July 10th, and uh, new chapters of that are launching every week. And so, yeah, um, so more new manga coming from Crunchyroll. That's always exciting. I'm glad to see them continue to expand their catalog. It's great that we have some new simulpubs to look forward to on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's always an exciting thing. Moving on to some J Novel Club announcements at AX. The first uh, book that they announced, and they announced like eight new book licenses at AX. Damn. So they are busy. And the first of these books, and the one that I'm probably the most excited for, is Amagi Brilliant Park. Oh, yeah. Uh, by Shoji Gato of Full Metal Panic fame. And this series also had an anime that was done by Kyoani back in 2014. And I really enjoyed the series. It was a lot of fun and really funny. So I'm glad that the light novels are finally getting released over here, too. And hopefully it also paced the way for a release of the Full Metal Panic novels over here. Or at least, uh, you know, re-release least considering only the first couple of those novels ever got published over here so looking forward to that but there are also other novels that uh they have also licensed kokoro connect which is jail novel club's first lessons from katakawa which is about a cultural research club that uh, is full of a bunch of crazy characters and they all start swapping bodies with each other so it's kind of like Yamada Come to Seven Witches, except this predates that, I believe, because the series launched in uh, 2010. And it's got illustrations by Yukiko Horiguchi of K-On fame, and the character designs certainly do remind me a lot of K-On's designs, so very interesting. It had an anime that released back in 2012, so you could probably check that out on Crunchyroll or on Home Video from Sentai. They have also, Seven Seas has also published all five compiled volumes of the manga adaptation of the series. So you can also hunt that down as well. Jay Novel Club has also licensed a Sorceress Stabber Orphan, which is a really old series by Yoshinobu Akita that began in 1994. And, uh, yeah, it's got illustrations by Yuya Kusaka. And this is a very, like, old-school, retro-style, like, fantasy-type light novel. Very similar to, like, Slayers and stuff. So, really cool to see J-Novel Club, like, license an older series like this. Gives me hope that maybe they could take a chance on licensing Slayers. Because I would really love that. So, yeah, there's over... There's a lot of novels. And uh, it's also going to get a new anime next year to celebrate its 25th anniversary. So, looking forward to that. It's also got a current a manga adaptation running currently, but uh, I don't know if that is hasn't been licensed yet. Uh, but the Giant Novel Club has also licensed Gear Drive, which is about a fifteen year old girl who can't use magic, but she's hoping that an upcoming ceremony will help her give her a talent. But instead, she discovers a new skill called Gearcraft, which allows her to make and control golden gears. And so she goes out on an adventure to tame the Tyera-shaped artifact known as the Crown Gear and become as great as her idol, Purple Lightning. So it's kind of like Black Clover, but instead of like 
she getting anti-magic, she just realizes, oh, I'll use technology and uh, be like Batman, I guess. Not like Batman, <laughs> but like like how Batman is like a normal guy who doesn't have superpowers who uses technology. Like, this is basically her answer. Like, I don't have powers, but I'm, I can specialize in technology. I thought that, I mean, that, that makes sense. Yeah. And... Uh, they've also got uh, Seirei Gensuki Spirit Chronicles about a boy who realizes he's a reincarnation of a Japanese university student with a tragic past and he possesses magical abilities and needs to use those abilities to solve the kidnapping case of a little girl and once his good deed is acknowledged he gets enrolled into a prestigious academy for noble children. So, this is a series that's been running from 2014, and yeah, that's coming out. Uh, they've also licensed J.K. Haru is a sex worker in another world. Uh, so, the protagonist got choked by a horny naked dude. Uh, not by... Oh, I'm just going to read the discussion, because it's written in first person. Very interesting. <laughs> Retro scratch. Freeze frame on Horokiyama getting choked by a horny naked dude. Yep, that's me. You're probably wondering how I got into this situation. Not by choice, I can tell you that. It started when my weirdo classmate Chiba tried to save me from a runaway truck and got us both killed instead. Idiot. Then we got transported into another world, which I guess is like an Otaku dream come true or something. Chiba ends up with cheat abilities, and what do I get? Nothing. Lucky me, I get to be a sex worker instead. Gotta work money somehow, but since I have to do it, I'm gonna kick ass at it. This world treats women even worse than the one we came from, so things get rough. Still, I've made friends with some of the girls, and if I can juggle Chiba's idiocy and simulate the virgin's emotions on top of all the various skinks my customers toyed me, they still be alright. Won't they? So, I don't know. Could be interesting. Maybe. I, I could see some people finding this very problematic. It really depends. Like, uh, I don't know, like, like how this is uh, going to be framed. Uh, like, what kind of content is going to be in here? Like, a sex work in in of itself is not necessarily a bad thing. It's just like, what, what if there's going to be like problematic, uncomfortable stuff that is not handled very respectfully or well? It's just like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I mean, this could go bad very easily. But the description has kind of like a funny like vibe to it, so I just really don't know what kind of tone it'll go for, and that will really affect like how readable and enjoyable the series is. So I don't know. It certainly, you know, is is it catches your attention with the title and the the plot synopsis here. Yeah. So who knows if like the actual content though is uh gonna be enjoyable to read but we'll see uh and then they have licensed last and first idol which is about international idols i think yeah it's about uh girl uh, evolution girls who in some gotcha expert friends race to find the truth of the universe and uh, Dark Space Opera about voice actors. So it's like a short story collection, I think, actually. 
Hmm, that's uh, interesting. So, yeah. So, it's yeah, it's three stories by the Octar Gang and Kusano. And, yeah, they're all teamed around idols and space, it seems. And then, finally, the last of the novels they've licensed is Machem de Werewolves, The Annals of Wait, which is about a reborn werewolf known as Wait, who leads the Demon Lord's Third Regiment as the Vice Commander. And he conquers a trading hub and learns of the struggles of uh, governing a city of mixed human-demon populations. And so he uh, is armed with an understanding of interspecies relations of a desire for peace. So he spends his days quelling violent demons and pacifying disruptive humans in his pursuit to bring balance and tranquility. So I guess this is kind of like Overlord if like it was just focused on one of the generals. And they weren't, like, crazy and <laughs> super murderous and bloodthirsty. But, yeah. Man, J Novel Club just licensed so many series. It's like, wow. This, it's just such a diverse range of series. And a lot of them are really interesting and cool. So I really need to get for on reading more light novels. But the thing is, is that that isn't even it for all the announcements that J Novel Club made. Because they also announced that they are finally launching a print publishing line. And they're going to be starting with the In Another World with my smartphone novels. As their like first physical light novel release. That's going to be slated for either late 2018 or early 2019. They're partnering with Ingram Publisher Services for this print release line. With the US and Canada. And you know, other titles will get print releases at a later date. But they're going to start with In Another World with my smartphone, which is one of Gene Novel Club's top titles right now. Really? That's really interesting to me. But yeah, I mean, Gene Novel Club just continues to grow and and expand and diversify what its content catalog is. So, man, kudos to them. I am very impressed. I guess it's safe to say that light novels are doing very well at the moment. Oh, yeah, I would say so. Oh, but I guess uh, we better move on to some Kodansha licenses. Um, so um, I guess even like before we get into those, um, just some bits of miscellaneous like print news from Kodansha as uh, they'll be uh, bringing some of their series to print, such as uh, Boarding School Juliet, uh, Quintessential Quintuplets, as well as Eden Zero, which big news for that is that not only is uh, Kodansha USA bringing over Eden Zero in print in October, but it's going to be a simultaneous global print release. Nice. So that's a pretty amazing step forward for manga publishing. Like, I don't think that kind of thing has ever happened before. It did happen uh, back with Renee. They did that with Renee. Wiz did that with Renee. But then, you know, that it just, Renee just didn't have, like, the uh, popularity in sales to continue with that. But yeah, it was, like, simultaneous with Japan graphic novel release. Oh, see, I, I knew they were doing, like, chapters at first. I didn't know they did, like, simultaneous print releases. That's really yeah, interesting. Yeah, they did that, too, for the first volume. Okay, I didn't know that. Um, but yeah, I mean, whether they'll keep doing that with Eden Zero is you know, remains to be seen, but I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to do that with the rest of its uh, subsequent volumes. Um, cause, cause it seems like they like, I mean, I, I know Hiromashima is a very, very popular, you know, author and a lot of people loved fairy tale and a lot of people like just love his work in general, but it's really surprising to see like just how far they're willing to go to really push Eden zero. And I mean, I think, I think it's mostly well-deserved cause I mean, you know, we did praise Eden Zero a lot, you know, on on our last episode or whatnot. 
um, or at least the episode beforehand. And, you know, I'm uh, like I said, I'm feeling pretty good about it so far, even though we were kind of talking about it off mic. It seems to be sort of an alternate fairy tale. But honestly, like, I think it's different enough that, like, I'm willing to keep going with it. And, you know, like we said on one of our last episodes of the show, like, Eden Zero is already, like, so much more interesting than Fairy Tale because it actually has a foundation. So, I mean, you know, I'm, I, I think I'm, I'm pretty glad that, like, they're giving Eden Zero so much attention and so much, like, push. It's, it's really nice to see. Mm-hmm. All right, so moving on to Kodansha's actual licenses now. Uh, first, we have a Seven Deadly Sins manga that apparently is an adaptation of a, a novel spinoff from uh, Mamoru Iwasa uh, called The Seven Deadly Sins, Seven Days uh, from Yokokikuji. And it's essentially about uh, the relationship between Bon and Elaine. Uh, I can't really speak much else about the premise because I'm not super familiar with uh, Seven Deadly Sins, unfortunately. Yeah, it's it's about uh, Bon and Elaine's romance, like how they met and how they like fell in love, mm, which okay. is touched on a little in Fairy and in, in, uh, Seven Deadly Sins itself. But this is like an expanded version of that. Mm, okay. So volume one of that is going to be coming out in October, while the second volume will come out in November afterwards. Next up, we have Love in Focus from Yoko Nogiri, uh, which will be coming out March 2019 and is about a girl with a passion for photography who moves away from her childhood home and begins living in the Renzu dormitory in order to attend a high school with a famed photography club. Uh, in her new home, she encounters her childhood friend Kei, as well as Amemura, an unsociable person who doesn't like photos. Uh, so yeah, that, that sounds pretty cute. Uh, up next, we have Witch Hat Atel, Atel, Atelier, 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 I, I'm not sure how to pronounce that, uh, by Kamome Shirahama, uh, which is about a girl who lives in a little village and who has always dreamed of becoming a wizard, but unfortunately was born without any kind of magical ability, meaning that she can never actually become a wizard. Uh, she basically gave up on her dream until one day, a traveling wizard named Kayfly, Kayfly, all these unpronounceable names uh came to her village and she happened to see him performing magic so this is essentially like a mix between little witch academia and uh black clover it seems seems just about yeah so that, that sounds pretty cute i wouldn't mind checking it out and that will also be coming out on march 2019 uh next we have gletnir from uh soon takeda uh, which is about an intelligent and friendly high school student satisfied with his normal everyday life, which is why he is very careful to protect his secret, that he can transform into a terribly cute monster. The story begins when he uses his powers and risks discovery to save a girl, uh, which is a very cute little premise. I like that. And apparently uh, Kodansha USA is also coming up with a collection of Hiromashima's like, one-shots and things called Hiromashima's Playground, which... I guess, just like I said, it's uh, it's a collection of Hiromashima's one-shots, uh, including a uh, probably a prototype fairy tale chapter, so uh, that might be kind of interesting. And I guess originally in Japan, this uh, this was comprised of two collections, but uh, Kodansha USA seems to be uh, combining both of these into one 400-page book coming out this October. I'm I'm really interested in, in a lot of Mashima's like really early like pre fairy tale work, so I'll probably be picking this up. Mm-hmm. I really wish they would do the same thing with um, with Oda's Wanted. That's something I really want in English. 
Uh, but speaking of fairy tale in Hiromashima, um, we got another fairy tale spinoff coming this November called Fairy Tale Lightning Gods by Kyoto Shibano, which is basically a spinoff about Laxus, which, you know, he was he was an okay character. I kind of liked him. So, you know, uh, if you're a fan of that character, uh, again, that's coming out this November. So uh, be sure to look forward to that. And uh, it looks like Kodansha is also coming out with some BL and Yuri titles. Uh, which are all coming out this January 2019. Uh, three titles to be exact. Uh, the first one I am super interested in called Ten Dance from Sato Inoue, uh, which seems to be a BL manga about ballroom dance, uh, specifically about two rival dancers who are basically forced to train together. Um, so that sounds like it could be kind of interesting. You know, I I still haven't read really any, uh, my share of BL manga, but... BL manga about ballroom dance, like, you know, uh, I think it's safe to say that, you know, thanks to Welcome to the Ballroom, I'm I'm a lot more open to manga about ballroom dance, so maybe I'll check this out. Um, and then next up, we have uh, Hitori Jime, My Hero, from Memeko Ari, which apparently is a spinoff of uh, Hitori Jime Boyfriend. Um, Hitori Jime, My Hero, specifically, is about a bully delinquent who apparently meets a high school teacher whose fighting abilities have earned him quite the reputation around the neighborhood. And uh, though he claims he's not into men, uh, he finds himself wanting to protect this high school student. So uh, I don't know about uh, I don't know about a relationship between a high school student and a high school teacher. Uh, I'm, I don't know. Uh, may- maybe it's cute. I have no idea. Uh, that sounds like the kind of thing that could go wrong pretty fast. But anyway, um, I guess last but not least, we have Yuri is my job from Me Man, uh, which is about a high school girl named Hime who cares deeply about her image as a sweet, helpful princess, but on the inside only cares about herself. And against her will, Hime gets manipulated into working as a waitress at, at a part cafe, part theater, where all the waitresses pretend to be students at a fictional German all-girls boarding school. And Hime finds herself falling for another waitress at the cafe who, in front of the customers, gives Hime love and devotion like she's never known. But unfortunately, behind the scenes, she hates Hime's guts. So that's unfortunate. Um, So that sounds like it could be kind of funny, I guess. Um, uh, I I wouldn't mind checking that out. Um, But I think overall, uh, some, some interesting stuff from Kodansha... Uh, like I said, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to uh, Hiro Mashima's uh, prototype works. Um, I think that's the thing I'm honestly the most interested in. Um, I guess besides that, uh, stuff like Gletnir and uh, and Witch Hat Atlier or whatever, you, however you pronounce it, you know, stuff like that. I think probably uh, has my interest the most, along with Ten Dance. So I'm um, hoping to check those out sometime soon. Yeah, I mean, a lot of great licenses again from Kadansha, like a lot. To look forward to here. Oh boy! And now we get to Seven Seas, <laughs> who <laughs> announced uh, ten new licenses slash releases at uh, Anime Expos. Well, to be fair, it's not necessarily that much more to Condanches. I mean, I guess that's true. Um, but they they still they still release a lot because you know that's that's just how Seven Seas rolls. Yep. I guess first off, we have Transparent Light Blue by Kyoko Iwami. Uh, which is essentially about a love triangle between a girl and her two childhood friends. And that's all we know about that. Um, premise is a little too vague. And I'm already not super into romance stories, but like, uh, I'm especially not really into love triangles. So, 
Uh, I don't know. And so far, I'm not really super interested in this title in particular. Next up, we have a certain scientific railgun, Astro Buddy, which apparently is a scientific railgun spinoff about uh, Junko Hokaze, otherwise known as the Ringlet Curls Girl, which I guess is a well-known character. I'm not really sure. Uh, all I know is it's a spinoff manga from from a certain franchise i guess that's what you call it i don't know there's a certain scientific railgun and a certain magical index uh i don't really know anything about that franchise honestly um i i, I like uh, i like the idea of calling it just a certain franchise <laughs> just to be as vague about it as possible and then uh up next if you you know if you can't get enough miss kobayashi's dragon maid uh there's another kobayashi spinoff coming your way with miss kobayashi's dragon maid Elma's Office Lady Diary by Ayami Kazama. And it just like the title says, it's about uh it's a spin-off about the character Elma. And uh yeah, so I mean, you know, if you're already a fan of Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid, um, then this is probably for you. Yeah, this is like the second uh Kobayashi spin-off after the Kana one, so I wonder if they're gonna have spin-offs for all the characters at some point. I wouldn't be surprised, honestly. Um, this just needs to be a Fafnir spinoff where it's just him playing like games and being angry all the time. That'd be the best. <laughs> that that would be pretty funny. Um, and then next up, we have uh, Sorceress Staver Orphan Heed My Call Beast by Buraji, which I guess is uh, I guess is, is a spinoff manga from the Sorceress Staver Orphan franchise, which we uh, talked about earlier during our uh, J Novel Club licenses which uh, Sid has already mentioned. So, you know, if you're a fan of that franchise, uh, you'll probably want to check that out. And next up, we have both Dokusei and Sotsukiyosei by Asumiko Nakamura, uh, which will be released this spring slash summer 2019, which uh, if you don't remember Dokusei, it's basically a, a high school BL romance thing that uh, that got an anime film a little while back. I want to say about like a year ago or something. Um, and apparently... Uh, Dokusei and Sotsukiyosei were originally released digitally from uh, Digital Manga Guild, and I guess uh, I guess Seven Seas has picked these up for release. I don't know if like they're retranslating it or if they're just going to leave it the same. Um, so I don't know, but uh, yeah. So I guess Seven Seas picked those up, and uh, if you like the Dokusei movie uh, and you've never read the original manga, this is probably the best chance to do so. Uh, next up, we have Dragon Quest Monsters Plus by uh, Mine Yoshizaki, coming out uh, winter next year, 2019, uh, which is apparently a sequel to uh, Dragon Quest Monsters, uh, the Game Boy Color game from 1998. So, unfortunately, I only know Yoshizaki through uh, the Sergeant Frog manga, or Keteru Gunso, if, uh, if you're a weeb. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, his art style looks really cute on the cover so I'm, I'm not like really super huge in the dragon quest but like i wouldn't mind checking this out a little bit it, it looks cute um i just i really like his art style so you know yeah i'll probably uh i'll probably check it out at some point i'm a, a huge fan of Sergeant frog i love that series so it's cool to see another one of mini yoshizaki's works come out mm -hmm. yeah I'd, I'd like to see more work from that author in particular i really i really like his art uh, and Sergeant Fry in particular is uh, is a very amusing series that I need to get back into at some point. Next up, we have uh, Division Maneuver from uh, Shippo Seno, uh, which is a light novel about a pretty vague 
premise. Like, it doesn't really sound anything, like, too extraordinary. Basically, some kind of monster pops up. Humanity has to fight back with some kind of special weapon that the protagonist has to go to a special school in order to learn how to use it and become a warrior. So, you know, it's... I'm, I'm sure it's probably... Maybe it's better than the premise leads it to be. Uh, I don't know, but... And I'm I don't really have much to work with here, so I'm I don't know I'm not really that interested in it so far personally. Um, next up, we have Classroom of the Elite from Siogo Kinugasa, uh, which are basically the light novels that inspired uh, the anime that I think came out last year. The light novels slated for a spring or summer 2019 release, and uh, you know uh, the 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 premise for this one is. Uh, I, I guess it kind of reminds me of Kakigurui, except except there's really no like gambling involved. It's just, oh, hey, this guy goes to school, and oh boy, this school has some really weird policies where the students could do whatever they want, and uh, they get like these cash points that they can use for whatever. And uh, basically, uh, he meets up with this one girl who basically stays out of trouble, and uh, they have to go fight the system, I guess. So... I don't know, like, I, I, I don't really know, like, what people think about the anime or anything, but, like, eh, you know, it, like, I've never really read it or watched it, so it could be good, I don't know, but, uh, eh, I, again, I don't really have much interest. Um, and then you have Mushoko Tensei by, uh, Rifuji na Maganote, uh, slated for a spring and or summer 2019 release, and is basically... Uh, about a 34-year-old virgin neat who is kicked out of his house when he runs out of money. He's regretting his life when he's suddenly killed in a traffic accident, and he's reborn in another world full of swords and sorcery, and oh boy, I am... I am not interested in the slightest. It's pretty much the most basic isekai premise with no real interesting twist to it, it seems. Uh, yeah, so that's kind of unfortunate, but... Yeah, again, a lot of stuff coming from Seven Seas. Um, a lot of interest, uh, some interesting light novels in there as well. Um, I personally wouldn't mind checking out the uh, the Dragon Quest manga and uh, Dokusei myself, actually. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess the stuff that catched my eye the most was the Mini Yoshizaki Dragon Quest manga, as well as like the new Miss Kobayashi spinoffs. So definitely looking forward to those and but in general like these are a pretty strong batch of licenses from seven seas mm -hmm. and i guess we can move on to some yen press licenses which uh, uh looking at this ahead of time it doesn't look like any of these uh new licenses have any kind of like release dates at this time it looks like so uh there's that but uh i guess starting off here we have yume de mita anoko no tabini or roughly translated to For the Girl I Saw in My Dream by Kei Sanbei, who, just in case you may not know, is the author of Erased. So that's already kind of piqued my interest uh, in particular. Uh, let's, so let's see. Uh, one rainy night, five-year-old Senri's parents fell victim to a murderer, and his twin brother went missing. Now a high school student, all he can think of is revenge. With the culprit's scar as his only clue, he will do everything to end the life of the one who destroyed his family. So, uh, looks like a murder mystery slash thrilling revenge story. So, you know, as as lukewarm as I kind of am on Erased, to be frank, um, not that I think Erased is bad, but like, 
you know, I, I just kind of thought it was okay. You know, I, I still liked it enough to where I would check out more works from Sanbei. And this already sounds like it could be really interesting and really exciting. So I'll definitely be checking this out. Uh, next up, we have Dive by uh, Ruzuru Akeshiba, which I guess apparently is a manga adaptation of the original novel series from uh, Eto Mori. So, you know, if you were a fan of the uh, anime that came out last year, I, which I think this manga in particular was the source material used for the anime that came out last year that was on like Anime Strike or whatever. So uh, if you're a fan of the anime, definitely go uh, check this out. Uh, hopefully somebody picks up the original novels at some point or something. Um, also, just a little tidbit, I guess apparently um, the Dive novel series also had a manga adaptation run in Shonen Sunday at one point. So I got really confused trying to, like, look up, like, uh, which dive was which. And I guess apparently there was also some confusion as to, like, you know, whether Yen Press licensed the novels or, the or like, its manga adaptations, which, again, you know, Yen Press was nice enough to confirm on Twitter, like, yeah, we, uh, we, got, the, we got the manga from uh, Akishiba, not the novels. But I'm sure somebody will pick up the novels at some point or something. You know, maybe J Novel Club can do that. I don't know. Uh, next up, we have Monster Wrestling, written by Memorail? Memorail? I don't know how to pronounce that. Uh, and illustrated by Chibane Uchida, uh, which, you know, uh, I don't know what else you... Do I even need to read the synopsis? I mean, I guess I will. Um, in a world where human and monster people coexist, monster wrestling is the most popular sport. When Chiroi, a novice Cerberus wrestler, is approached by the world's largest wrestling organization, her competitive life finally begins to move forward. So, yeah, it's monster girl wrestling. Like, I don't know. Like, if you're into monster girls, I don't think I really need to sell this to you. Um, so there's that. Um... Yeah, I mean, it could be fun, though. In the cover, I'm, like, wondering what the heck this octopus girl's anatomy is like. It's, like, the way her spine <laughs> is. Like, the way her butt is protruding is just super weird. I don't understand it. I don't get it either. Um, and it looks like... Oh, it's because she has, like, tentacle legs. So it's not... So it's, like... It's still weird because it's, like, you know, it's 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 like she has a butt. But it's, like, she actually has multiple tentacle legs. So that's why it's, like, we like weirdly shaped like that. But yeah, okay. that's, that's, that's still kind of weird, though. Yeah. Mm. And it looks like we have some novels coming from uh, Tomihiko Morimi, who, uh, in case you may not know is the author behind such beloved uh, novel turned into anime adaptations as uh, the Tatami Galaxy and the Eccentric Family. Uh, so if you're a fan of uh, their works through those anime adaptations, uh, you know, we got the novels for some of these uh, other anime movies coming up, such as uh, Penguin Highway, um, which is uh, getting an anime film coming this August 17th. And is basically about a fourth grader who is basically investigating the reason why there is a sudden appearance of penguins in his village. So uh, it's basically the emperor and I except, you know, not necessarily a gag thing. Um, so, you know, uh, I saw the trailer for it and uh, it looked pretty neat. I, I might see it like it looked interesting, at least. Um, have you seen the trailer, Sid? I have not seen the trailers for this movie, but I have seen the trailer for the next uh thing they've licensed the movie ad adaptation of the next novel they've licensed yeah so uh we also have the night is young walk on girl 
which is also getting an anime film, uh, or at least uh, in the U.S. specifically, the movie's opening up on uh, August 21st. So that's really cool. So, on a mysterious night that seems to last a year, an ordinary college student continues to chase one of the underclassmen, a girl with black hair, the girl of his dreams. Up until now, he has been relying on a single plan, bumping into her every day while making it seem like a meaningful coincidence. Um, so, this sounds like a really interesting Groundhog Day type of, uh, type of premise. Um, definitely sounds like the kind of thing that would happen in, like, the Tatami Galaxy um, so yeah, if you're a fan of Morimi's novels, uh, there we go. And uh, definitely go see both of those anime films. I'm, I'm sure people have a lot of interest in those. And uh, speaking of anime films, uh, we also have uh, Mamoru Hosoda's uh, new movie Mirai coming up. Uh, sometime, or I think it already started playing in Japan, but uh, I don't think there have been any like US screenings announced. But uh, I'll definitely go see them when, uh, when they are announced because I love Hosoda's movies. Um, but uh, it looks like Mirai, not only is it a film directed by Hosoda, uh, there's also a novelization of the film penned by Hosoda himself. Um, in case you don't know what the story is about, uh, it's about a very spoiled four-year-old boy who comes across a magical garden where he meets his future sister, Mirai, who is now a young woman and has traveled back in time to see him. Um, so, yeah. Like I said, I am definitely a big fan of Hosoda's films. I love uh, Summer Wars, Boy and the Beast, and, uh, you know, The Girl Who Leapt Through Time. And I'm sure I'm forgetting another film uh, off the top of my head. Um, but I can't remember at the moment. Um, but yeah, I love his movies, so I'll definitely go see the movie. And hey, maybe I'll even pick up the novel. I don't know. Who knows? Uh, next, we have the 86 novel series from Asato Asato. And so, as the synopsis reads, the Republic of San Magnolia has been attacked by its neighbor, the Empire. Outside the 85 districts of the Republic, there is the non-existent 86th district, where young men and women continue to fight. Sheen directs the auctions of young suicide bombers, while Lena is the curator who commands the detachment from a remote rear. The story of the tragic struggle between these two begins. So, I guess it's uh, probably a war story. I don't know. It sounds kind of interesting i guess um but what i'm definitely more interested in is uh yen press's upcoming release of Nyankis by okita atsushi which uh you know in case you don't know our good friend uh bomber or kiribon at twitter uh read this series a little while back and uh i remember those tweets of his uh definitely blowing up and uh got a lot of people interested in uh in this series so I don't know, maybe Yen Press saw that tweet and uh, they thought, oh, hey, th this guy knows his stuff. Maybe we should pick this up. Um, but I guess I should uh, explain what it is. Um, nothing to it, really. It's basically just a manga about street cats who are basically depicted as uh, delinquents fighting each other. So, you know, if you haven't seen Bomber's tweets about this series, um, definitely look forward to this. Uh, I know I will be reading this because from the little I have seen of the series, it looks really funny. And I hope it also gets an anime, because I think it could make for a good anime as well. Um, so yeah, definitely we'll be checking this out. And then uh, up next we have Plunderer by Sue Minazuki. And uh, yeah, so as the synopsis reads, It's the year 305 of the Alcyon calendar, and the world is controlled by numbers. Every human born is branded with a count which could mean anything from the number of kilometers walked to the amount of people who have said your food is tasty 
And if your count drops to zero, you'll be sent to the abyss. After Hina's mother's count dropped to zero, her last request is for Hina to look for the legendary Red Baron. So, uh, yeah, everything is run by numbers. That sounds interesting, I guess. Um, I don't know. Uh, it just sounds kind of silly to me personally. But, I mean, hey, what do I know? I, I like a lot of silly things, so I don't know. Um, and speaking of silly, or I don't know, it's silly to me. But uh, if you're a fan of Kakigurui, there is a new spinoff coming uh, written by Homura Kawamoto and illustrated by Katsura Saiki called Kakigurui Twin. And uh, it looks like from what I looked up, uh, from the little research I did, it seems like it's a prequel spinoff about Saotome in particular. And I, I guess it takes place before the actual Kakigurui series. So it's basically about Saotome and like her very first year at uh, Hiakau Academy. Uh, so this is basically before she met uh, Yumiko, the main character of Kakigurui. Um, so yeah, uh, that might be kind of interesting, I guess. So I don't know if you're a fan of Kakigurui, this might be worth checking out. Uh, up next, we have Happy Sugar Life from uh, Tobiyaki Kagisora, um, which is about uh, basically a Yandere character. Uh, her name is Sato Matsuzuka, and she has somebody she likes. You know, she thinks it might be love, and everything will be forgiven so long as she protects this feeling, even if she tricks, steals, or even kills for it. So yeah, if this isn't about a Yandere, then I don't know what it's about, but I mean, come on, it... <laughs> it sounds um it sounds like it could be scary or silly. I'm not really sure. I wouldn't mind I wouldn't mind checking it out. And next up we have the Bungo Straight Dog novels uh from the original creators of the manga actually, both Kafka Asagiri and Sango Harukawa. Uh these novels in particular basically focus on uh Dazai's past before joining the detective agency uh which I if I remember correctly uh, actually got adapted in the second season of the anime. I believe, I believe that makes up like the first four episodes of that season. Um, I don't remember a lot of people really digging that part of the season, honestly, as as well as me. Like I, I remember having a really hard time like keeping up with what those four episodes were actually about. Um, I don't know if it was just adapted poorly or if the story's not that great, but I mean. Um, I don't know. Uh, if you're a fan of Bungo Stray Dogs, it might be worth checking out. I don't know. Um, I'll probably just stick with the anime or, you know, the manga, which I need to get to eventually. And then last but not least, we have Woof Woof Story, uh, the novels written by uh, Wan Wan Majin and illustrated by Kochimo. And it looks like it's about a character named Ogami Rota, a corporate slave who died from working too much and who wishes he could be the dog of a rich household. And has his wish granted by an enthusiastic rookie goddess. But isn't he a little too big for a dog? So, I don't know. It it looks like it could be cute, I guess, maybe. Um, I mean, judging from the cover, he's certainly a very big dog. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, but I think that's about it for that. Um, so, yeah. Um, I guess, really, out of all these titles, again, I'm... I'm most looking forward to Nyankis and uh, and the new uh, manga from Sanbei. Uh, those are probably the two I'll end up checking out first. Um, everything else, you know, like I'm I'm glad they're coming out with the uh, with the original novels of all these uh, new anime movies coming out. Like that's cool. 
Um, yeah, but I guess we can move on to some Vizmedia stuff, finally. Well, they also uh, said that they're going to release two digital titles of theirs in print. Uh, the Shaden Shutaro Kominami Takes of the World and The Witch's House Diary of Ellen. And in addition to that, they announced that they're going to release the My Hero Academia uh, card game under their one of their imprints. Hmm. Well, that'll be interesting. I'm sure that'll probably sell pretty well. Yeah. Oh, Seven Seas is the one who's doing the card game for MHA. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. uh, Speaking of MHA, let's transition into Riz's announcements. And they had some really big ones. And I got to be there at AX for some of these announcements. And uh, it was pretty exciting to be in the same room when they, you know, announced some of this stuff, including when they announced that they are going to reprint Banana Fish. Finally, Banana Fish, the classic manga by Akimi Yoshida that has a currently airing anime adaptation, is finally being reprinted after being so long out of print. So all 19 volumes are going to be back in stock and you can buy them. Uh, it will not be available digitally at this time, but you can finally get the print copies. So that's really good. Mm, I'm sure they'll probably look into digital releases maybe at some point, probably. Maybe, but other stuff they announced at that same panel, uh, some new licenses, smashed the Junjito Story Collection, which is a new collection of Junjito short stories, short horror comics, which is always great to see. Uh, they also will release the next of their Junjito collections, Frankenstein, this October, and... A big announcement they've made is that they have licensed the Megalobox anime. They have the theatrical broadcast and home media rights for the series, as well as the non-exclusive streaming merchandising and super product rights. Uh, and so, yeah, they have the license for Megalobox. They'll probably give it a dub. Uh, you can look forward to that. It'll probably be on Toonami, maybe. Uh, hopefully, yeah. So, yeah, that's pretty exciting. And uh, they also have licensed uh, the Near Automata short story long novel. And they've also announced uh, that they've licensed Near Automata long story short. So they're going to release long story short this October. And short story long is going to debut in spring of 2019. So a uh, pretty, you know, strong collection of uh, license announcements. But it doesn't end there. Because then at the JoJo's panel, they saved all their JoJo's news for that. And there was some big stuff. Because at the JoJo's panel, they announced that they are going to finally be releasing the Diamond is Unbreakable manga next year after they finish their release of Stardust Crusaders. And uh, to paraphrase Orion, they will be big, they will be hardcover, they will be two-in-one, and they will be beautiful. Ooh, yeah, that's exciting. Uh, obviously, they will not be modeled off the Jujonium releases because the Jujonium releases ended with Stardust Crusaders, but these will be hardcover omnibus editions of Diamond is Unbreakable, so you can look forward to that. Uh, in addition, they announced some big news about Diamond is Unbreakable uh, because they have announced that the anime is going to debut on Toonami on August 18th, which is pretty great. It's going to just debut a week after Stardust Stairs, so... Started finishes his run on Tanami. That's pretty big. But also they have licensed the live action Diamond is Unbreakable film directed by Takashi Miike that came out last year. And presumably we'll be releasing that sometime next year as well. See, that one's really interesting to me considering how um, I'm pretty sure that bombed in Japan, didn't it? Or at least it didn't do as well as they would have helped. It did not do as well as they would have hoped. So the future of more films... 
of JoJo, especially like in the potential Diamonds and Brickle trilogy, are in the air. But regardless, I'm there's a lot of interest over on the English fandom site to see this movie. So like everyone was very excited when they made this announcement. And finally, just to wrap things up, they also announced that they will have the they do have the license for JoJo's Bizarre Adventure: Golden Wind, the an, next anime season. So, rest assured, they are continuing to license every new JoJo thing that they can get. So, just out of curiosity, did you actually get to see the uh, Par 5 premiere at all? Uh, yes, I did. I was in the I was in the room. I was I watched it. I, I got to the panel. I got to the premiere. Okay, you, you got you got to tell me your thoughts real quick, because I, I, I want to know what you think. I was going to save it for the AX pod, but just very briefly, I mean, it was an incredible adaptation. Like, they got the pacing spot on, and it just looks gorgeous. Like, it, it's a little more akin to how Stardust looked than Diamond looked. Diamond had more softer character designs. But here in uh, Winter Rio, we kind of move back to more Stardust Crusaders designs in terms of, like, the line work, in terms of how, like... Uh, some characters are drawn with some angular shapes and stuff but it works really well for it and it's just an inc- it had a great aesthetic it was really f- well paced it ended in such a great place i mean it's such a frustrating place too because it was right <laughs> in the middle of the giorno buccioletti battle but i'm so glad that they got to buccioletti within the first episode because f- yeah it's so cool finally to see buccioletti animated uh, and see how his zipper man they would portray that in animated forms. So it was so good. Uh, yeah, so really, really loved uh, the jo- JoJo's Winter Aria premiere. And uh, I'm really excited for the adaptation when it hits this October. Yeah, that 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 sound, that sound all sounds really good. Um, I, I have not, like, read any of or, like, seen any of Part 5. So I'm going to be uh, really looking forward to this in October. Mm-hmm. But moving on, let's talk about some of his licenses coming out of San Diego Comic-Con. And first is an announcement they made actually before Comic-Con that they have licensed Mary Okazaki's Will I Be Single Forever manga that they've already debuted digitally. And it is about a 36-year-old woman who's unmarried and she's kind of miserable. But she thinks, you know, am I miserable? Do I really need to be married when I have a good job and good friends? So it's a bunch of uh, interconnected stories that explores the hazards and joys of unmarried life through the eyes of three single ladies. So it's kind of like Tokyo Tarareba Girls, but uh, Mari Okazaki's take on the same concept. Uh, they both came out around the same time, too. So it's like they just had kind of a similar idea that they all both of those authors kind of explored independently but okazaki's uh manga is like a shorter kind of run it's only it was only like uh less than about a year and it's only a one book long so you can just get that right now and i uh, read it and i'm looking forward to uh, you know reading it when i get a chance so always cool to see more of mario okazaki manga come over here and uh, now let's move on to some big news they made at their Comic-Con panel. And so let's start off with some big Pokemon news. They have licensed uh, Pokemon Sun and Moon and Pokemon Battle Frontier for home video release. And those will be coming out uh, in the fall, I believe. So you can finally, after 10 years, get a Battle Frontier on home video. So, you know, it's nice that finally, 10 years later, we're finally getting uh, some... Uh, like, this is the last season that really need, needed a complete series uh, 
release on DVD because Wiz started with Diamonds and Pearl, I believe. So that, that we've had box sets since then for those seasons, but the advanced generation series, like all those four kid seasons, just hadn't been touched in so long. So finally, with Battle Frontier, uh, well, Battle Frontier wasn't a four kid season, but it also was before the Diamond and Pearl era. So. Good to finally, like, get that closed off. And so now, with this release, I think you can finally get all of Pokemon on home video just through, like, DVD releases. So that's really nice to finally be able to do that. But also, in the manga side, they have finally announced a digital release of the Pokemon Adventures manga. That has already come out the on July 24th. And, like, uh, they right now, you can currently get the first two arcs, uh, the red and blue and the yellow arcs, the first seven volumes out uh, in digital. And then every month uh, for the rest of the year, they're going to release another like uh, generation's worth of, uh, of sagas. So like the gold and silver arc is going to come out in August, volumes 8 through 14. Volumes 15 through 22, the Ruby and Sapphire arc will be out in September. Uh, volumes 23 through 25, the far red and leaf green and the Pokemon Emerald arc, which is volumes 26 to 29, those will be out in October. In November, they'll release all the volumes of Pokemon Diamond and Pearl and Platinum. In December, they'll basically polish off the rest with uh, Pokemon Heart Adventures Hard Gold and Soul Silver, Pokemon Adventures Black and White, and Pokemon Adventures Black 2 and White 2. And I get, I, that would leave, I, uh, I would believe, uh, for January, hopefully they would release X and Y and uh, Omega, Ruby, Alpha, Sapphire. And then hopefully Sun and Moon uh, will follow soon after that if they haven't already started doing that. They might as well already start doing that with Sun and Moon since it just came out. But like, hopefully, eventually you can buy all of uh, Pokemon Adventures in-, in digital, which is really convenient and really nice to finally happen. Yeah, as as someone who buys more digital manga than physical manga nowadays, um, it's really nice to be able to finally check this out and finally have a... I guess finally have a digital alternative as to as opposed to buying all of it physically. So, because um, I I mean I gotta be honest, uh, Sid's passion for Pokemon is a bit infectious because like I after listening to at least like a you know a part of you know the Pokemon Adventures retrospective you did like it made me really interested in checking it out. So mm-hmm. it's an amazing manga and a real treat for any Pokemon fan. You should definitely read it. Uh, additionally, Viz is also going to release uh, the Pokemon movie adaptation manga digitally in uh, January 2019. I don't know which movie adaptation. Maybe it's like all of them they have. Like every movie adaptation manga they have. But yeah. Uh, but also, Viz has also announced that they've acquired the home video rights for the first season of Castlevania. So yeah, in in video game adaptation related news. They are going to be doing the home video release for that. But... Now, the big announcement that they made uh, at their panel uh, at San Diego Comic-Con. Well, let's just first run through some uh, more minor announcements because I'm, I'm going to gush over the big one. In the middle of it because uh, <laughs> they, they're going to be releasing Hayao Miyazaki's Art of Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind book and the Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind picture book in spring 2019, which are, you know, good art books if you're a Nausicaa fan. And they're also going to release the Art of Magic the Gathering Ravinica in winter 2019 which uh, they've been doing a good job of releasing uh, good Magic Day Gathering art books, but you know those are those are well pretty pretty nice, well well and good. But this is the this is the big one. This is like the big announcement that 
they made at uh, San Diego Comic-Con. This is like the big announcement of San Diego Comic-Con. Nothing else can, can compare. They are finally, after 20 years, they are finally going to re-release Yurisiatsura by Rumuko Takahashi in English, in print, in 2-in-1 Omnibus Edition starting in Spring 2019 with new translations. Finally, Yurisiatsura, the manga, will get a re-release in North America after 20 years of waiting. It's beautiful. It finally happened. Just in time for Yurisiatsura's 40th anniversary this year. A great announcement to celebrate that. Finally! Amazing! I bought the entire series in Japanese. I bought all the old Viz editions just because I love the series that much. And finally, I can own the entire thing officially in English and in print. And it is beautiful. I fell out of my chair at work when I heard this announcement. <laughs> I fell out of my chair and I cried. I didn't cry because I fell out of the chair. I cried because this dream came true. This beautiful dream came true. Your theatre is relicensed and it's getting a re-release and I am over the moon. As media, you guys are the real darlings. So, so Sid, what I'm gathering from this is you really like Urusei Yatsura. Yes, obviously. <laughs> it's not... Alum well, isn't a part of my username at all, no. How could you tell I'm a fan? <laughs> nah, I mean, I... It could have fooled me. But um, I'm 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 really happy for you, Sid. Like I I knew as soon as I saw this, I just I I like instantly thought of you, and like I I knew you were probably gonna like just explode from happiness. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm really looking forward to um to actually finally be able to reading this because you know like I feel like I kind of owe it to Sid to check it out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. And I mean, I don't know if I'm like, you know, letting the cat out of the bag, but I know you've been wanting to do a maybe possibly a Udise Yatsura retrospective podcast, maybe sometime this year. I don't know exactly what your plans are for that. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of projects I want to do regarding Udise Yatsura, but yeah, a retrospective podcast where I talk with a few people about their uh, feelings and history with the series is something that I have in mind for this year. But definitely with next year, I really just... I, I want on to review every new volume of this series. I don't know if I'll do this on this show, but like I am just so over the moon inside it. I really want to give this all my support and get all the attention out there. So like this release, like this is going to be Viz's fourth time releasing the series. I want them to finally finish releasing the entire series. And I think it, it can happen, but I'm going to give it all the push and support and love I can because... Oh my gosh, I've been waiting for this for a long time. So many people have been waiting for this for a long time. 20 years since their last UI release. So wow. I, I'm i just so over the moon. I mean, at, at the very least, I would I would love to be able to, like, come on and, like, at least, you know, help, like, discuss and review the first volume. Because, like, I, I really would like to check it out, you know, when it comes out. Like, I, I, I will definitely be buying this when it comes out, so... Yeah, most definitely. I mean, it'd be amazing to review the first volume. I'd also compare it with like some of the old translations. I think that'd be a lot of fun. But this is not the only news to be excited about if you're a Rumiko Takahashi fan, because it finally happened, people. Fort time is the charm. Because finally, after four times of being snubbed, Rumiko Takahashi has finally been inducted into the Will Eisner Comic Awards Hall of Fame! 
Yay. Yes, finally! <laughs> At, uh, her career is uh, four decades old. And, like, it is just serendipitous. It is just perfect that finally, in the year celebrating the 40th anniversary of Yurisu Yatsura and her manga career, she finally gets in to the Will Eisner comic Hall of Fame, you know, a lot of people on Twitter, a lot of people had been, you know, salty and debating about this earlier this week about, oh man, why won't the Eisners let Takashi into the Hall of Fame already? It is a crime. It is an injustice considering how influential and how incredible her work is, her career is. She needs to be in the Hall of Fame because she has been such an influence on creators worldwide for decades and yes finally the Eisners have acknowledged that legacy of hers and she is inducted into the Hall of Fame she is uh, among the greats of the manga industry that have been accepted into the Hall of Fame including Tezuka Kazuo Koeki Goseki Kojima Katsuhiro Tomo she is the fifth mangaka to be accepted into the Eisner Hall of Fame and it is an honor well deserved long overdue but finally finally so well earned and it's so sweet justice finally i again i'm very happy for you sid and you know as as much as i really haven't like delved into takahashi's works unfortunately i really do need to fix that I mean, I, even I can see that this is very well deserved. With all of this amazing news at uh, San Diego Comic Con, like I wish I went there. I wish <laughs> I could have been in the room. Well, I don't know if this they announced this. Like, well, they, I think they yeah they announced this at the award ceremony. So like, yeah, I wish I could have been there somehow to see hear this for both of these announcements that Kahashi's acceptance and the Yurisunatsu license announcement. But you know, I made my choice. I went to Expo, and that was a lot of fun. But yeah, I mean, oh, so so such a good time to be a Takahashi fan right now. I'm so happy. It's great. That's that's great. That's that's all very good news. Again, Takahashi definitely deserves it. So, uh, speaking of the Eisner Awards, um, another very deserving winner uh, came out of the Eisner Awards uh, just recently in that Gengoro Takame's My Brother's Husband has won this year's Best U.S. Edition of International Materia Asia Award. Um, as we have discussed on the show previously, uh, My Brother's Husband was pretty much competing against uh, other series such as uh, Jiro Tanaguchi's Furai, uh, Satoru Noda's Golden Kamui, uh, Moto Hagio's Otherworld Barbara, and Junji Ito's Shiver. So, yeah. I mean, honestly, out of all of these, I mean, all, all of these are, are deserving of nominations, obviously. But personally, as, you know, just as someone who is a huge fan of my brother's husband, like, I'm really glad that the series uh, won the award that it did, because I honestly think it deserves it. So that's uh, that's also another very, very big surprise to come out of the Eisner Awards this year. Yep. Uh, there are also some other winners uh, at the Eisners. Uh, the Kadantra Comics 35th Anniversary Edition of uh, Otomo Zakira won the Best Archival Collection Project Comic Books Award, as well as the Best Publication Design Award. And Jiro Tamaguchi uh, was nominated for Best Writer Artist for Ferrari, but uh, he didn't win that award. But yeah, there were two 
uh, winners this year in the manga category. My Brother's Husband won the best uh, US edition of International Manga, and Kodansha's Otomo release uh, of, of Akira won best of capital collection. So that's nice, uh, because finally manga wins some awards this year. Uh, last year, there, there were no manga winners, so that's nice. It's nice to see some winners this year in the manga category. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess just moving on from that, uh, some some big news uh, from Otakon, actually, in that uh, the official Twitter account for Otakon had announced recently that uh, anime director Shoji Kawamori will be a guest at this year's Otakon. And if you don't know who Kawamori is, uh, you've likely seen his stuff somewhere because he is uh, uh, responsible for creating such series as Aquarion, AKB0048, and Arjuna, as well as the uh, mechanical designer for things such as uh, Pat Labor the Movie and uh, Eureka 7, Outlaw Star, Ghost in the Shell, and uh, is also the original creator of things such as uh, Escaflone, Basquatch, and Nobunaga the Fool. So the, those are just a couple of things that he is uh, credited for. Uh, but also, I almost forgot to mention this, but uh, he is also most famous for being a part of the creative team for uh, for basically the Macross series. So he has a lot of work under his belt. And he also basically designed the prototypes of what would become the Transformers. So Exactly. So... Yeah, uh, definitely a very prolific creator. Uh, glad to see him coming out to Otakon. I'm sure a lot of people will want to see him. Oh yeah, this is a big guest, and it'll be really, it'll be really cool to be at that panel and like listen to like his stories and to him talk about his career. Like, I wish I could be there, but yeah, it's, it's if you're at Otakon, definitely go to this panel. I think you'll learn a lot. And uh, Otakon will be held the weekend of August 10th through the 12th. So. There's that. But going back to more uh, Oak Anime Expo news at the Trigger Panel, if you were there, which was a real riot, like those guys are real entertainers and is the blast. Uh, they made a pretty big announcement. A uh, Studio Trigger uh, launched its own Patreon that is meant to support the studio and its staff. And yeah, I mean, it's just something that people have been thinking about and asking them about for a long time and uh, they have gone ahead and done it they've made their own patreon which is going to really help them like fund future projects and uh specifically like ideas they couldn't do otherwise in terms of like merchandising going to cons and just uh you know helping the staff have some more resources to tap into. And so there's a lot of perks. Uh, $1 patrons will have access to a high resolution, uh, picture file from their live drawing sessions. Uh, $5 a month patrons will have access to Photoshop, uh, Illustrator and Clip Studio files with untouched layers from their live drawing sessions. And when the studio hits like 1,500 a month, US, which they have, uh, they're going to start streaming a live drawing session with uh, their illustrators and animators. And uh, they're going to use their initial earnings from their Patreon to repair equipment for those live streams. So, how is that going to be happening? Because the Patreon has been running since uh, their panel at AX, and already they have 2,963 patrons and uh, who are contributing nine thousand one hundred eighty-one dollars a month? To them. So, Ooh, yeah. wow, 
they it's a very successful so far i mean for, in terms of like supporting a studio this would not be you know a huge amount but like in terms of patreon success this is pretty great for just something that has started within less than a month so this is pretty incredible and uh yeah so you know if you're a huge fan of studio trigger and these rewards are interesting to you and you just really want to support them in general yeah definitely consider pledging to their patreon but also at their panel they revealed more news about the kill a kill game that arc system works is developing for next year for playstation 4 and uh, pc via steam next year and so one of the most interesting things they talked about in regards to the game is that it is not an adaptation of necessarily the story of the anime, but an alternate version of that story that is focused on Satsuki and her perspective. And so it'll be like a new story uh, in the Kill la Kill universe told from Satsuki's perspective, and she'll be given a final form like Ryoko had in the final episode. And uh, there might be an English dub for the game, but they haven't worked out, uh, finalized that detail yet. So it's that's really cool, like, detail. Like, this is not going to be a retelling of the anime stories. It's going to be, like, a new story, a reimagining focus on Sasuke, and that's pretty exciting stuff. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to this game a lot. Like, it's I know a lot of people... Are a little skeptical because like Art System is only the publisher and it's really it's being done by Eight Plus, who's actually the developer. But you know I think like the combination of the two and just like the way the trailer works and everything about the game is just incredibly intriguing. So I'm looking forward to it a lot. I was gonna say the the, the fact that they're not just like straight up adapting the anime, uh, the anime story f- uh, through the game, and they're actually like taking liberties with that is already interesting enough. Hmm. But we have more game news to talk about, don't we? Yeah, we got a little bit of uh, some more uh, Jump Forces news. And that is that uh, Bleach will be getting some representation in there because uh, we have Ichigo, Rukia, and Aizen who are all joining as playable characters. And uh, all of them will be donning their Thousand Year Blood War arc outfits in particular. Uh, So that's really interesting. And I guess also apparently there's... uh, uh, I guess uh, Jump also released uh, a new stage, uh, the Hong Kong stage. So more stuff being added for the game. Uh, so, you know, if you're worried about Bleach for whatever reason getting the shaft from Jump because it didn't, um, then hopefully this will ease your uh, concerns a bit, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad to see Rukia in the game over some of the other like supporting characters they could have chosen. Because, one, it's great to have another female character in there, but also Rukia is, like, one of the best characters. So, yeah, good that she's in the game. Uh, also, it's great that Aizen's in there instead of Wok, because Aizen's a way better villain. And also, I really like Southern Blood Europe design. So, yeah, it's, that's cool that they're going with that design. And, yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to all the characters who are joining the roster. Uh, they made some... I think these three choices are pretty good. I mean, these are the three characters from Bleach that were also in J-Stars, so it's not unexpected, but, you know, it's it's good to see that all three of those will be in, and, like, all of them will be playable. Like, Rukia was only a cis last time. Presumably she will actually be playable this time, and that's good to see. Uh, and I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to every new character that joins the roster, though I'm still a little upset that... Nakajima, the producer, has said that, you know, there are not going to be a whole lot of non-fighting franchises represented. So, you know, no Food Wars characters, even though that'd be a lot of fun. Uh, obviously, Light and Ryuta are only going to be in the story mode, so. 
So I guess that means Boston won't be a playable character. <laughs> I guess not. No. Uh, oh well, one can dream. So, but moving on from that, we have a really interesting piece of news that I'm actually kind of excited for. So, Annie Uta co-announced on uh, this past Thursday that uh, Annie Uta, uh, the world's first anime song streaming service, will be debuting in the U.S. this August. And uh, I guess this is already a service that uh, that launched in Japan back in March of last year, 2017. And apparently already originally aimed to launch the service overseas by the end of 2017. But it looks like it took a little longer than they pro- than they first projected. But uh, yeah, so I think you could probably like find a few like anime songs on like Spotify or whatever. But it's it's nice to have like a like an anime theme streaming service available. Like I never thought that's something that would happen, but I guess it makes sense. And uh, a, a lot of different like uh, Japanese music labels are... Um, are like involved with this. You have companies uh, including like Avex Pictures, Katakawa, Sunrise, uh, Toei, Toho, and all all kinds of companies involved in this. Hopefully, we'll get a um, a good um, I guess selection of music from this service. Yeah, I listen to anime songs all the time, so it's like it's nice to finally have like a service specifically catered to that, where I don't have to worry about the song getting taken down randomly one day. Yeah, so. I'll definitely be uh, looking out for that, and uh, yeah, that's, it, just, it just sounds cool overall. But uh, moving on, we're going to be talking about a lot of movie-related news, and we're going to start off with a big one announced at AX, and that is that Sunrise is teaming up with Legendary Pictures to produce a live-action Gundam film. Now, this is just an announcement. This is just, like, they're in pre-production. They're, like, planning this out right now. So, like, who knows how many years it'll take for this to get into fruition, but they made a teaser visual, and and they are collaborating with an English studio, so like they are trying to make this a reality. So I'm really excited to see how this will turn out. Yeah, that I that's kind of amazing that they're doing that because especially since I, I thought I heard some rumblings you know, a couple months back that there were plans at one point to do a live action Gundam movie, but like those eventually got dropped. I think um, so. It's it's really cool to see that that's actually happening. Yeah, but there are more anime film adaptations that are coming out, and uh, Colton, I know you're excited about the next one. Oh, yeah. So, uh, Children of the Sea, which is a very, very, um, very beautiful looking manga from uh, Daisuke Igarashi, is getting a movie and will be animated by Studio 4C, who are known for uh, their work on Mind Game, Ting Kong Kingcrete, and Harmony. This film will be the first long-form anime film of any of Igarashi's anime, and it seems like we don't really have much info outside of that, uh, no release dates or anything, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Igarashi's uh, manga, uh, Children of the Sea in particular, I know is, I, you know, I, I don't remember much about the story. I'm hoping one day maybe we can, like, cover it on the show as, like, a refresher, but... Mm-hmm. I remember specifically the, because like, I think it's like four or five volumes long or something. I remember the final volume having so many amazing looking spreads of just so much like sea life and just, it, it had a really amazing looking like finale. I do remember that much. So <laughs> I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing like how, um, how well this is animated because I'll, I'll definitely be checking this out. 
Yeah, it's a beautifully drawn manga, so I am really looking forward to see how it looks animated because Studio 4C makes some really stunning films, and I think that they'll do this manga justice. So really, really looking forward to that. Hopefully this gets like a, a wider like US release, too. Yeah, I mean, if it gets enough buzz, I mean, I'm hoping. I mean, we're seeing a lot of anime films being released theatrically over here these days. It's a pretty good time to be an anime fan and like seeing anime movies in theaters because, man, just in the next couple of weeks alone, you'll have like one or two every week if you're in the U.S. So it's pretty it's pretty good. But yeah, I mean, speaking of a movie that I know is going to get a lot of attention and a lot of screenings when it releases finally is uh the next and final shin evangelion film which is finally revealed a 2020 opening date it'll hopefully actually come out in 2020 so like the last film 3.0 came out in 2012 so eight years it'll have been eight years the gap between these two movies uh it's a longer the stretch between the debut of the first Evangelion and the release of this last Evangelion film is going to be longer than the stretch between the debut of the original TV series and the first Evangelion rebuild film. So it's like, wow, it's taken longer, so much, so long. It's taken over a decade for this thing to be complete, but it will finally, hopefully, presumably be complete in 2020. Yeah, as much as I don't really care about Evangelion, the the TV series anyway, I I, w- I look forward to like actually finally watching all these films like uh, once they're complete. Um, I know a lot of people have been waiting for this last film, so good on them. Yes, finally. Hopefully it actually comes out. But something that is actually going to come out pretty soon that uh, I am extremely hyped for, a lot of people are hyped for, it's something that's extremely big, and uh, it's got a big character that is headlining it. It's uh, Dragon Ball Super the movie. We've talked about this before that it's upcoming, but recently there have been a lot more details uh, thrown about it, including who the antagonist of the movie will be, and guess what? They're bringing back the Big B. They're bringing back Broly! They are making Broly canon! Akira Toriyama has watched the original Broly films, and then he decided, oh, you know what, I can make him more interesting. Let me make him canon. Let me rewrite him. And so they are making a Broly movie, which will integrate him into the Dragon Ball Super storyline. The movie comes out in December in Japan, but it'll come out in Japan and I mean, in the United States and Canada in theaters in January 2019. So we will get it only a month after Japanese audiences. So that's incredibly exciting. And, you know, Broly, you know, as a character, his films, they aren't the greatest, but, you know, I think all doubts about it have been squashed after the release of the trailer at San Diego Comic-Con, because that trailer is just astounding. Finally, we see now Hiroshimatami's character designs in action, and they are gorgeous, they are beautiful, and how they move, and we've got so much incredible talent on the project. You got Yuya Takashi and Aokitati, you got Ryo 
Mario Onishi. They dominate the trailer. It's like, oh my gosh, this is going to be the best of the best of the Dragon Ball staff. Like, this is going to be incredibly well animated. And it the trailer really drives up the hype for like, oh my gosh, like... What is this story going to be? There's so many snippets of, like, flashback scenes that, like, really make you think about, oh, what are they going to explore about the past? Like, we know this is going to explore the past of the Saiyans, but in what capacity? And, like, interspicing some of those scenes, like, giving us those teases between, like, this fight between Goku and Vegeta and Frieza and Broly. It's just, oh, my gosh. Wow. This looks big. This looks, like, easily, like, it's going to be the best-looking Dragon Ball film ever. But also, the story comes content seems that it's going to be incredibly intriguing too so you know i had misgivings about them bringing back broly and making him canon but like man the the store the trailer for this has got me sold it has got me hyped and i cannot wait for this film like it's it's a shame that there won't be sub screenings there was like a false alarm that happened on the Friday after the trailer dropped that, you know, Funimation tweeted, oh, there'll be sub-screenings. But then they retracted the tweet and said, uh, no, actually, there won't be sub-screenings. So that's unfortunate. I'm sure Toei gave them false information and then they had to take that back because then they realized, oh, no, they didn't give approval. But, uh, yeah, so dub-screenings only, but still. Like, Dra- uh, Dragon Ball Super, the movie. Like, oh, my gosh. Uh, I-, I-, I can't wait. Oh, man. Yeah, we're, I'm definitely going to be seeing this movie. I cannot wait. It's going to be cool. I can't wait. I cannot believe I'm going to say this, but I can't wait to see. Uh, I can't wait to see Broly and Frieza just punch the shit out of each other. That's actually that's going to be that's going to be pretty cool. Yeah, uh, there's a lot to look forward to about that movie. But coming even sooner is a movie that I have been looking forward to seeing, but did not get to see, but now we'll get to see uh, a little later in the year. And actually pretty soon, uh, on September 25th, My Hero Academia 2 Heroes will open the U.S. and Canadian theaters for a five-day limited screening. Uh, Dub screenings will be shown on September 25th, 27th, and 29th. Uh, well, no, those will be uh, the Japanese sub screenings. The dub screenings are going to be September 26th and October 2nd. But but yeah, it'll be released in 400 theaters across the U.S. and Canada, so you should be able to find a theater hopefully near you. And yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing this film a lot because uh, everything that was all the people who saw it and who t- tweeted about it were like, "Oh man, this was a that film was amazing." So I'm like, "Okay, this this uh, film this uh, there it lived up to the hype." So yeah, I want to see it. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, this is going to be amazing, and I can't wait to see it. I hear so many good things about it. I can't form complete sentence is <laughs> so it's going to be so good. I can't wait. This is going to be fun. Yeah, but there's even more movie screenings to look forward to that will be coming more? up in U.S. theaters. Yeah, because Aniplex USA announced some screenings they'll be doing at their panel at AX, and one of them is the highly anticipated I Want to Eat Your Pancreas film, uh, the anime adaptation of the novel uh, that will release in Japan uh, later this year, I think, but it will open in uh, U.S. theaters... At some point later this year or early next. And yeah, I mean, I've seen the live action movie and it's a really good story. Uh, it's it's kind of depressing at points, but, you know, it's it's a good me- it has a good message to it. So, yeah, uh, don't be t- uh, misled by the title. This is a pretty serious story. I don't actually like the character designs that much. I like the I liked how the actors 
in the movie looked. I don't know. Like, especially the main male protagonist design just looked so boring to me compared to, like, how the movie actor looked. But, well, we'll see. It's like, so long as the story is, like, still good, I'm sure it'll be a very entertaining film. But also something that I'm really excited about is the second State Fay Night Heaven's Feel film that will be screening in U.S. theaters in 2019. That film was screened, uh, the first one was screened in U.S. theaters, uh, late last year and got a dub screening of it, like, earlier this summer. But the next film in the trilogy is gonna come out in Japan, uh, this fall. And next year we will get, uh, screenings here for it in the U.S. So, like, it, it, the Heaven's Feel film, the first one was really good. I'm looking forward to seeing where the story goes in the second one. So, yeah, really excited for that. But to go back on uh, more movie news, let's talk about how some anime movies have been performing in theaters recently. Because, you know, there have been a lot of anime screenings in theaters, but uh, we don't always hear about how well they're doing. But we have a few, like, interesting box office numbers. And the first is for Fireworks that a Levin Arts, uh, well, G-Kids in collaboration with Fathom Events released uh, earlier in July on uh, around the 4th of July weekend or so. They released it on July third fifth and seventh and uh, they also had some separate releases going on uh in select theaters on july 4th but yeah so over the course of its uh theatrical run the movie grossed 522,600 us dollars which is actually quite decent for like uh how many days it was ran in and like considering like, that is not necessarily a big-name movie. Uh, it's not like from... Uh, it's not like Your Name, which was from Makoto Shinkai, and had, like, this huge, huge Japanese, like, buzz about it that, like, got people interested. Like, this movie did not have as much of a reputation, so, you know, it did really well for itself. And I saw the movie in theaters, and I thought it was quite enjoyable. It had some issues that here and there, but in, in general, it was a cute film, so... Nice to see that it performed pretty well. Uh, on the flip, we... Well, not on the flip, but, like, re in related news in terms of a screen that I saw, like, a week later, it was the Attack on Titan Season 3 premieres and recap movie that uh, Funimation released in theaters on July 10th and July 11th. That was in less theaters than Fireworks, but it did really well for itself because it grossed $377,000. Like, over the course of its two-day run. And they only had, like, yeah, like, two showings of it. Like, uh, one showing a day. So, that's pretty great, considering it was not in that many theaters. And it was only two showings. Mm, and so, yeah. yeah. The the sub-screening earned more than the dub-screening. The sub-screening earned 225000 And the uh, English dub-screening earned 151000 So... Like more, I guess more people were just like really, really ex excited about season three, so they wanted to hit up the sub first and the dub. But yeah, I mean, both performed extremely well. Yeah, I mean, it had a, its world premiere at Anime Expo like the Sunday before, but you know, I didn't go to it at Anime Expo because I knew because I knew I would just go to the actual screening later in the week. Uh, but yeah, so uh, season three. The first episode, really good. It seems like they're really blowing past the freaking uh, 
political coup arc which dragged in the manga and is the worst part of the manga like they adapted like a volume and a half or something in the first episode Damn. so it's like and it didn't feel so paced at all which just goes to speak of like how much the manga version dragged so really happy about that they got to kenny faster which is like what anyone would want you want to you want to get to kenny so great uh seasons three is going off strong and i'm really looking forward to it that has debuted already uh, for people who are just catching up with streaming. But for those who are waiting for the English dub, there's good news for you because the Attack on Titan Season 3 is going to premiere on Tanami on August 18th. On the same night, they're premiering JoJo's Diamonds Unbreakable. So you can look forward to that coming pretty soon within a month. Mm, that's going to be a good night for Tanami. Mm-hmm. But speaking of Season 3's of uh, anime... Yeah, so we, we've mentioned Bungo Stray Dogs a couple times on this episode, and so the official Twitter account for Bungo Stray Dogs, uh, the anime in particular, actually just revealed that uh, the anime is getting a third season, and uh, the staff had originally made the announcement at a screening of uh, Bungo Stray Dogs' uh, Dead Apple, and uh, as, as somebody who really likes Bungo Stray Dogs and... I think gives it more credit than most people. Cause I know when like the first season hit, like I remember not a lot of people being like super into it, but I mean, I clearly it has, it has its fan base. Cause otherwise uh, they wouldn't have greenlit a third season. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad it's getting another season. Cause I was honestly kind of afraid it wasn't going to get any more. And I just kind of assumed like the movie was going to be it, but nope. Uh, it's going to get another season, and I cannot wait to watch it. Yep, I really enjoyed the first season of Mungu's Great Onks. I haven't watched a second yet because I'm waiting for the dub of that because I watched the first season dubbed. And, you know, after seeing the film subbed in theaters, I was like, you know, I like the sub voices are fine, but I guess I'm just too used to the dub. I like those voices better. So I'm, I'm going to wait for to watch season two dubbed when the dub for that comes out. And I don't know if it has come out yet. It, it hadn't by the time when I was watching the first season back in like April, so I don't know if they've released season two yet. Funimation, yeah. Hopefully, uh, I'll see that pretty soon. And then, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the third season when that comes out too. And uh, speaking of more anime stuff, so uh, Crunchyroll also announced at Anime Expo that they're going to be premiering a the first episode of a new anime at Crunchyroll Expo. Uh, which uh, takes place from September 1st to the 3rd, and they will be premiering the first episode of The Rising of the Shield Hero. The adaptation of the light novel series uh, by... Uh, Aya Kuyu. Yeah, Aya Kuyu. And uh, yeah, it's uh, going to be directed by Tako Abo at Kinema C- uh, Citrus. And uh, series composer will be Keiko Koyanagi and Masahiro Suwa will be the uh, adapting the character designs. So I read the manga for this a uh, long time ago. Like uh, I started, I had read the manga like a couple of years ago when that first started being scanlated, and I quite enjoyed the story. Uh, I felt like out of it as I fell out of scanlations, but like, uh, yeah, I mean the. Series, I think both the novel series is being released over here by One Piece Books, and then I think the the manga adaptation is also being released by them. So you can go check that out. But yeah, it, it's an, it's a good story. That I mean, there's some elements of it uh, that are you know li- that give me a little pause, but in general, like it's a pretty compelling read. So I'm looking forward to this anime. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see how well that premiere goes. 
it's only fitting that we end an episode that's focused so much on news that's come out of con that we talk about news of a new con that's coming, or at least like a new extension of an existing con, a collab between New York Comic Con and Anime Expo to debut Anime Fest at New York Comic Con. This is an event that is going to take place during the same dates as New York Comic Con, October 4th through October 7th. It's a collab between Read Pop and the Society for, uh, for the Promotion of Japanese Animation, the two groups behind New York Comic Con and Anime Expo. And so it's going to take place at Pier 94, uh, the convention center there. Uh, on, on the same day as New York Comic Con and like tickets ha- are on sale right now. Uh, you need to be fan verified just like for New York Comic Con uh, to get the tickets. But this event will feature artists, Japanese guests, uh, New York otaku autograph signings, artist alley, live music, and Japanese pop culture classes. It'll be catered specifically for anime fans. And there are some pretty cheap t- ticket prices considering uh, con prices. What's nice about this is that you can attend it without having to also attend your Comic Con. So you can buy these badges separately. And so there you have a discount if you also have purchased New York Comic Con badges. But like, you know, uh, tickets for Thursday, Friday tickets are uh, $20. And tickets for Saturday, Sunday are $25. Tickets for Sunday Kids are only $10. And you get like $5 off on uh, Thursdays through Sunday tickets if... Uh, You've already bought New York Comic Con tickets. So that's, you know, pretty big. Another, like, big anime-related event that is happening in New York. Uh, some people were a little, like, suspicious of the intentions behind uh, making Anime Fest. If they're trying to compete with Anime NYC, which happens in November. But, like, the uh, director at Anime NYC, like, stated, like, the, this event will not affect the operations of Anime NYC. The two events can coexist. So, so, you know, Anime NYC just started up last year and it's got a lot of support. It's already doubling in size for this year. I'm going to Anime NYC this year and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, yeah, so, you know, there are two, but if you are not going to be able to go to Anime NYC in November, but you can go to Comic-Con slash this event in October, here's another anime-related uh, convention for you to hit up. Well, hey, there you go. Oh, boy, and I think that's finally it for all the news. Yeah, I mean, honestly, we did not go on as long as I feared we would. We made it in two and a half hours, which is still quite a lengthy amount of time to talk about news but it's not as bad as it has gone in the past and honestly it'll probably be even shorter once i actually scrub through uh, the episode and edit so it'll probably be like like two hours and 20 minutes it's it'll be at least two hours for sure but yeah uh, we we got through it as fast as we could thankfully um and like we said unfortunately we we had originally planned to talk about the two new jump starts that had come out recently but uh because we had so much news to talk about i figured we could just save those for another day yeah you can expect our thoughts on those burn the witch and shokugeki no sanji at a later date a separate podcast yeah hopefully that'll come out like within the month definitely less than that hopefully uh, but, uh, yeah, until then, um, Sid, I think that's about it for the show. That's right. And so 
let's just uh, tell the good people where they can find us. So as for me, you can find me at Lomromayasha on Twitter, as well as places like Animation Revelation and AnyList. And uh, you can also read my manga reviews over on all-comedy.com. I've been writing monthly reviews of new chapters of Dragon Ball Super and also plan to get back into writing graphic novel reviews pretty soon. And in general, I also post uh, anime and manga-related press releases on there. So you can follow my work on all-comedy.com. And there, if I have anything else to uh, link, it'll all be in the description. There you go. And uh, you can find me. I'm Colton. You can find me on Twitter at SniperKing323. I, I I tweet a lot when I don't have anything else to do. And, uh, you know, I also have a few manga threads. I'm currently trying to reread through Toriko in time to hopefully talk about that on the show in the next, like, month or so. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, you can find all my manga threads on my pinned tweet if you go to my Twitter account. So I finally have a place where I organized all those, um, as well as listen to my other podcasts. You can listen to Life Lessons, the Gintama Manga Cast, which is a podcast I have about uh, about the Gintama manga, specifically through the old Viz Media release. Um, and uh, yeah, you can listen to that at gintalifelessons.wordpress.com, as well as One Podcast Prevails, which is a podcast about uh, Detective Conan slash Case Closed that I record with my friend Doctor over at the Ask Backwards Anime Podcast. Um, and you can find that at onepodcastprevails.com. Please go listen to both of those shows. Um, but I think that's about it for my stuff. So just as for all comic and the podcast, you can find every episode of Manga Mavericks over at all-comic.com. That's where we put every episode first. Uh, you can also follow us on facebook.com slash all.comic or on twitter.com slash allcomic underscore. But if you want to follow Manga Mavericks specifically and get the latest updates on this podcast in particular, uh, you want to follow us on Twitter at manga underscore mavericks, as well as manga mavericks.tumblr.com. And you can also subscribe to our YouTube channel over at youtube.com slash manga mavericks, where we post excerpts of the podcast, uh, you know, our such as our discussions on uh, certain series and news. So please go uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. And you can also email us anything. Uh, what do you think about all the news coming out of uh, Anime Expo and San Diego Comic-Con? Uh, what are you reading at the moment? What series do you want us to talk about on the show? Um, you can email us anything about what you're reading, any suggestions on the podcast, whatnot, over at mangamavericks at gmail.com. But the most important thing, guys, is that you subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, the artist formerly known as iTunes. Um, definitely helps the visibility of our show, and just it just helps our show get out there a little better. Um, so please do that if you so wish to. Um, but that was episode 54 of the podcast. Uh, thank you for listening, and you can listen to us next time on episode 55. Bye, guys. Sayonara! Sayonara!